Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BetUS.com or call 800-729-3887. That's 800-729-BETUS. BetUS for 125% bonuses with promo code JONES22. Customer service pros are ready to get your phone and social and online sports betting kickoff started now. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. You can also use the promo code JONES22 with crypto for a 200% bonus. That's BetUS.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Two Men Radio College Basketball Insider, also the sideline reporter for the Tampa Buccaneers Radio Network, TJ Reed. He's just to stop by and join us as we'll be breaking down the NCAA tournament with TJ. Also, talk some NFL free agency as well when he joins us in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group as Brian O'Connor will stop by. And we'll have our top Henry story of the week at the end of the show as well. Tom Bridges joins me as always. Tom, so much to talk about. What a crazy week it has been. And we had the NCAA tournament games last week. We've had a lot of NFL free agency moves and trades go on. We'll try to do our best to break it all down on today's show. And I'm like, where, where do we even start, Tom? There, there's so much. It, it feels like this past week has been a month. Right? I mean, with, with how crazy the NFL, NFL like free agency and offseason's been, uh, you combine that with March Madness, which I don't know about you, but I, I watched – I watched more – it sounds bad. I watched more games this past week than I have maybe all season. But I loved it. I mean, I mean, it's the, it, it was truly mad. Some, I mean, they weren't – you know, they don't mess around when they call it March Madness. Some years are better than others. I think this is one of the better years so far. Yeah, I think so. Uh, my team, the Kansas Jayhawks, are still alive, thankfully. We'll have more on that in just a bit, but it was good to be in Fort Worth this weekend, seeing them in action and running into some old friends out there. Uh, a lot of my old media friends and you know KU alums and such felt right back at home. It was a weird scenario, Tom, for me because on Saturday you had Kansas taking on Creighton, the last two places I've lived at: Lawrence, Kansas, Omaha, Nebraska. The school where I went, Kansas, and they were playing in my new home in DFW. That game had all the feels to it. And I wanted Kansas to win by as much as possible. Like, I wanted them to have no mercy on Creighton whatsoever. Um, I enjoyed my time in Omaha, but I have no associations with Creighton other than living there. And uh, Creighton gave KU a bit of a scare there. It was a competitive game. Uh, to see the, the Baylor-North Carolina game before that, too, that game going to overtime, Baylor coming back from down 25, heck of a doubleheader. I would not have wanted to spend my Saturday in any other way than what I got to see Saturday in Fort Worth. Great time there at Dickey's Arena. Yeah, we even saw you on TV. 
you know, you 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 made the the game cast as well. I made and the uh, jumbotron a couple times at the arena too. Did you, there you go. I, you know, I wouldn't doubt it though. If you, that's kind of like the you know Daytona where we talked about the people you'd probably probably meet, and I was like, yeah, you'll you'll find a way. Yeah. <laughs> Anywhere there's a screen to be shown on, somehow you will be. I don't doubt that you will find a way to do yeah. it. And it's, you know, obviously credentialed, but great seats. I mean, I was, I saw your, you know, your Snapchat, and I thought, my God, you know, you might as well be, yeah, right, suit him up, you know, right. If uh, so, KU players, you know, fouls out early, put you in. Well, and then you know, I say that you you watch a couple of games. A lot of these teams, I feel like, uh, it, you know, over like the Saturday night and the Sunday games, went pretty deep in their bench. I mean, we're seeing a complete teams, which is unlike the NCAA tournament because usually it's about seven eight man rotations. These timeouts are like four minutes long. Halftime is like 25, 30 minutes, and yet some of these teams are going deep in their bench, but. Nonetheless, it was a great time. Enjoyed it all. Was so glad I went. And, you know, the NCAA has got some weird rules, Tom. I don't want to sound like I'm ungrateful or complaining, but I just want to provide some perspective for the folks out there. So for us courtside that were sitting first row, we had to wear a mask. But if you were sitting second row courtside, you didn't have to wear a mask. How does that make any sense? Um, (laughs) And then – the NCAA, you know, they try to say that they're for the athletes and all this and, you know, nonprofit organization. Well, they require everyone courtside, if you have a drink, you have to use a Powerade cup and you have to pour the drink into the cup, whatever. Well, what I did to kind of outgame the system of some sorts, I said, fine, you're going to make me use the Powerade cup. I took the Coke can and I just put it inside the cup. There you go. I was about to say if you had a, you know, if you had a mixed drink, it wouldn't be the first time that, uh, you know, I would, I had had to put a mixed drink in a styrofoam cup. That's a great idea too. I, I can't believe I didn't think about that. You want to make me use a cup? Fine. You know, I, I can turn that into a mixed beverage then. Uh, but yeah, I can put whatever I want in this. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Uh, but great time nonetheless. We'll talk more about the tournament coming up uh, later on, but. You know, I want to open up the show today and, you know, now that I'm out of the news business and we haven't really talked much about me leaving my uh, previous employer and all that, but one of the things now with where I'm at in my career is, since I'm not on the news side anymore, is that I can kind of open up more when it comes to social issues and, you know, have those opinions, kind of express those more comparably speaking to what I did previously, as I wasn't really in a position to do so. And now with this story involving Leah Thomas and, uh, you know, the the NCAA uh, swimmer, I felt like that this was a great opportunity to kind of open up things, to share where I'm coming from and hopefully relate to some people, because I feel like that, you know, if, if you believe in women's rights and Title IX and, and all those issues, you can't just say it for certain things. You have to be willing to believe 
and all of it. And to me, this is the women's rights issue of our lifetime. And that comes down to women having fair opportunities in sports. And, you know, over the weekend, Leah Thomas ends up winning the women's national championship in swimming. And with a bit of controversy, Thomas uh, is a biological male and, you know, has gone, you know, tried to go through some transition of sorts and identifies as a female now. And Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas, yes. Not me. <laughs> yes, not, not, not Thomas Bridges, no. Um, but Leah Thomas got through this, uh, you know, this transition, but, you know, still has male genitalia and been shown off in the locker room, says that, uh, Leah says that, there, you know, this person still is attracted to females in the locker room and such, and it's caused some people to be uncomfortable. But here's the thing, you know, I'm not going to tell people how they want to live their life. If they want to be a man, they want to be a woman, they want to be whatever. Um, that's not my place. Never has been, never will be. But where I draw the line, what I have an issue with is when this becomes an issue that affects women's sports. When we see equal opportunities get taken away from women, this can kill women's sports when you see that their platform, their chance to perform is being taken away. We have made so much progress over the last 40 years when it comes to women's sports and allowing the opportunities. And now all that progress might just go right down the window with these types of situations right here. It is a competitive advantage here, plain and simple. And, you know, the, the solutions to this are hard to come by, whether it's forcing people to compete along with, you know, what they were born biologically, or whether it's having a specific division for, uh, for transgender people, whatever it is. I don't know what the solution is, but I can tell you this much. The solution is not uh, making, you know, killing women's sports and, you know, making the playing field uh, unfair. That's not right. And I have an issue with that. And uh, it's disturbing to me that we've gotten to this point that, you know, somebody is not getting, getting to compete the national championship level. Somebody's national championship is getting taken away and such. That is where I draw the line. And I'm not okay with that, Tom. And I think that it's time that, you know, people like me and others finally, you know, have had enough that we have to say something that, and if we don't, if there's not change, this is only going to get worse going forward. Yeah, I think you're right. And and the point that really got me on this, uh, you know, politics aside or what, you know, it's just, it really is politics aside, I, I think, for the most part. And a lot of people don't see it that way. It's, you know, if you're, if, you know, if you're an elephant, you have to think a certain way. If you're a donkey, you have to think this way, too. And I think you'd be surprised to find that people on both sides are, you know, are for or against it or, you know, have different differing in opinions. Uh, I myself am of the opinion when I heard the, you know, Leah Thomas competing in the men's um, was like the 400th best 
uh, swimmer, and then a year later goes into the women's and is now the number one. Uh, I think a lot of it does come down to uh, some science, uh, biological science. You know, I'm not, you know, I don't have a biology degree and I'm not, I don't have a science degree. Um, so I'm not going to be one here to become just an expert in some field that I, you know, don't know about. But uh, the, the evidence in terms of, of statistics is, is pretty damning, um, I'd say. So it, it does, it does, there is, there is a competitive advantage. I don't care who you are. That you'd, you'd be remiss not to say there's not a competitive advantage. Absolutely, Tom. I, I agree with you 100%. There is a competitive advantage. And, you know, if we don't do something about this now, it will only get worse. And to me, I think that, you know, whether it's making the men's division open to all parties involved or whether it's creating a you know division for transgender people, whatever it may be, I mean, this what's going on now just isn't working and it's going to get worse if we don't do something about it. And, you know, I, I love what, where we're at when it comes to women's sports in this country, that they have more opportunities than they've ever had before that, you know, things in the right direction, but we could take a lot of steps backwards if we don't do something about it. So um, I'll kind of leave it at that Tom. but I, I did want to bring that up. Uh, that's been a hot button topic and, Felt like there's something needed to be said there. And uh, hopefully we see some change and uh, some stuff going on, you know. And, and you know, you, you turn on ESPN, and within the last couple of days, their people are protesting. Uh, you're making their voices known about, you know, issues in Florida of whether they can teach, you know, kindergartners about sex or not. And, you know, Here's the real issue. You know, they're they're making, uh, you know, somebody like L. Duncan, for example, goes on ESPN and protests because kindergartners through third graders aren't allowed to be taught about sex and gender and such. But there's an issue right in front of her of, you know, women getting their opportunities taken away. It doesn't have anything to say about it here. We have our priorities just totally messed up, totally uh, or in the wrong direction here, Tom. I mean, you got this bill in Florida that, you know, is, is not about anything specific when it comes to, you know, homosexuality or transgenderism, whatever. It's just, you can't talk about, about sex, period, you know, kindergarten through third grade, um, that it's, you know, for when you're older, that, you know, leave that up to the parents and such. And then we turn it into this whole political issue of, something that's not about words get twisted and, and it's unfortunate, but you know, it's kind of par for the course, the way that our, our media treats things in this country these days. I mean, yeah, it is a prioritization thing. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not for, you know, I have an issue a little bit um, with the, you know, with, you know, how, how the situation with Leah Thomas that was handled. I'm sure that will, change because like i said it's competitive advantage uh, to be honest with you i'm not for the don't say gay bill uh i'm again i'll be honest with you i'm against i'm a, i i think that's been blown out of proportion somewhat um because I, I mean i don't think a lot a lot of it i feel like it's fear-mongering like oh they're teaching our kids to be gay 
type thing. No, it's, it's, I mean, we didn't, I don't think it's a whole lot different. Hell, my sister's a teacher here in Oklahoma and I was talking to her about it and it, you know, what if they had done something like that here? Um, and she was like, that's not really even a, you know, that's not really a thing. Maybe in some schools, maybe that's how it got brought up as a bill. Maybe there's a, you know, maybe there's a certain teacher or a certain administration in a school district that, that did that. But that's, I think it's a way less common than people are making it out to be. Um, but my biggest thing was, you know, when we talk about, you know, men versus women, in sports, it's, you know, it's obviously competitive advantage. And then if you, if you look at it, there was a trans man competing in the men's. I'm not going to be able to put money on that trans man end up like winning in the men's. I mean, it's not sexist to say that it's, it's, it's science. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Tom, we'll, uh, we'll move on, and uh, let's uh, talk about the uh, NCAA tournament as the uh, games will continue today with uh, the uh, Sweet 16. Then we'll uh, have the Elite Eight this weekend uh, before the uh, NCAA tournament Final Four will uh, take place next Saturday. But looking back at this uh, first weekend, Tom, I mean – the, the big stories to look at, for me, it's it's a few things. Obviously, you have to start with St. Peter's. What they did, pulling off the upset against Kentucky there in the first round. And Kentucky was leading this game by six points with two minutes to go. Blows, blows that lead. And St. Peter's pulls it off in overtime. And then they took a very good Murray State team to the woodshed. They, they handled just fine. And and won that game. Here they are, and now taking on this Purdue team this weekend. St. Mar- uh, Peter's, what a story here. I mean, this is a school that, you know, has a, you know, a gym that seats less than 1,000 people. It, it looks like a bad high school gym. Uh, their entire athletic budget at this school, Tom, is smaller than what John Calipari makes in one season. Uh, just the, the true underdog story for uh, this St. Peter's program that nobody saw coming here. And, and I would think Purdue wins on, you know, when, when these two teams meet in the sweet 16, but St. Peter's has earned my respect. And, you know, the thing that, that also would make me jump off the page on St. Peter's is that we see this from time and time again, it's so weird after you have those big upsets and get to the sweet 16 You go back home and everybody tells you how great you are and such. And rightfully so, you know, St. Peter's deserves all the love and praise, but you know, with, with Purdue now having a week to actually know who St. Peter's is, they're going to have their work cut out for them, but nonetheless, a great story. Oh, of course it's a great story. And uh, you know, knocking out and being the, you know, there's always a Cinderella and, and I mean, St. Peter's has done that. I think when you talk about Purdue, though, you got a player like Zach Eddy, 7'4", almost 300 pounds. Looks like a monster. Um, you know, and, and then if I didn't know if you got a chance to watch that Purdue game. It's the first time I watched Purdue all season. I have a Jaden Ivey kid who's a future NBA player. He's unreal, uh, can score at will. Um, and then another player, 
255, Travion Williams. I'm sure that's been a name that's been thrown around quite a bit. That's an NBA player. Um, maybe not a starter or anything, but that's that's an NBA bench player. He put up a hell of a game, rebounds, assists, points. He, you know, I think he had close to 20. Uh, played a tremendous game, and that Purdue game was tight. That Purdue, I mean, Texas gave him about everything they could could stand. Um, which you know, from a you know, from a <coughs> excuse me, a beard led team. Uh, you know, uh, Beard's going to give you everything, right? Yeah. And and Purdue weathered the storm, and and uh, you know, after seeing that game, how hard fought you you'd mentioned both teams get a week off to kind of figure each other out. Uh, I I think this is where you know I, I'm not crazy for this is not a bold take, but I think this is where St. Peter's run ends. Yeah, they'll put up a fight. They won't get blown out, but I would put my money on Purdue to get it done. In that one there. North Carolina taking on UCLA. UCLA faced a tough challenge in Akron, pulled that one off. They dominate a very good St. Mary's team in the second round. North Carolina beats Marquette pretty handily. That was an 8-9 matchup. It looked like a 1-versus-16 game. That's how well North Carolina played. They follow that up, take on Baylor, and they were up by 25 at one point. Brady Manick gets ejected. And the game changed completely. I would have loved to see Baylor win that game, Tom. But at the same time, I wasn't wanting to see North Carolina get eliminated because they got ripped off by the officials of Brady Manick getting ejected there, which he didn't deserve to get ejected. Nonetheless, they pull it out in overtime. They advance. And they take on this UCLA team. North Carolina has been a different team the last few weeks. You go back to that game when they beat Duke in Cameron Indoor and follow that up with these two wins. UCLA, high hopes this year. They were the preseason number two team after getting to the Final Four last year. Got off to a slow start, but they've played a lot better basketball here the last couple weeks. Two teams playing red hot right now. Tom, I know UCLA is the higher seed, but I give a little bit of an edge to uh, North Carolina here. I think uh, the Tar Heels are going to get it done in uh, this matchup against UCLA, but it should be a hell of a game. Oh, I think so. And, and you know, up to this point, I'll, I'll say I did have UCLA um, moving on. Um, granted, it was against Baylor, but North Carolina, man, they looked sharp, uh, you know, against obviously uh, one of the – obviously one of the best teams in the country. I mean, it, I couldn't believe how well North Carolina played um, against Baylor. When they got up that big, I thought maybe this is not over. You know, Scott Scott Drew, you know, national, reigning national champs. They're going to make a run. The game was incredible. One of the better games I've, I've seen in a while. Um, both teams, you know, you could tell it was it was it looked like it was tough for Baylor. Granted, they didn't have far to go. But I can tell you that trip from Dallas to, to Waco or Fort Worth to Waco was a was a long one. Um, Baylor's going to be back next year, but. You know, like you said, North Carolina moves on. It's, it's going to be a game of uh, blue-toned teams. It's to be on my list. Texas Tech taking on Duke in the West region. Texas Tech uh, beat Notre Dame. Looks really good defensively. Blew the doors off Mon Montana State the uh, game prior, 97-62. to 62. Duke, 
Uh, looked really good in their win against Michigan State. Looked good against uh, Cal State Fullerton the game before that. Tom, I think Texas Tech's the better team here. Um, and, you know, their offense has shown that they can be good enough. There's questions about, you know, their, their offense in the, in the past this year. You know, uh, Doug Gottlieb, he, uh, he had a pretty interesting take that I thought was a good point that he said on uh, Dan Dockett's show uh, the other day. He said that, uh, you know, Texas Tech is a team, they're like a football team that just wants to be on defense all the time. That uh, it, it's like the water boy with Bobby Boucher when they intentionally punted so Bobby could get out, out there and make plays and such. That's what you have in Texas Tech best defensive team in the country. Can they score enough points to beat Duke? The thing I would say about that, though, Tom, is that officiating has been so atrocious in this tournament. It was so bad last weekend. We had one of the best, if not the best, first weekends ever. And that was in spite of how bad officiating was. Um, You know just how it is. Duke's going to get the calls. That's what's going to happen. It may be a poorly officiated game, but Duke's going to have the edge when it comes to officiating here. If Texas Tech's going to win this game, their offense is going to have to produce, but they're also going to have to beat the officials as well. Not easy, but I think Tech can get it done. Yeah, and and Duke is not only going to get the calls because it's Duke, right? They're also going to get the calls. And, man, you know, any Duke fans out there, come at me. I don't don't really give a (laughs) shit. The Coach K storyline bullshit. I feel like I went off, was it last, or I guess not. It was last week. Last week, just went off on Coach K. And I, like I said, I don't hate Coach K. He's one of the best coaches of all times. But I get sick and tired of the, the oh, swan song bullshit. And I think, you know, Jones, honestly, you, you mentioned how trash the officiating was this past weekend. Granted, overall, solid basketball is played, you know, despite the officiating. I think you might be able to see a little continuance of last weekend here. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but I, it feels like maybe, you know, keep Co- get Coach K to at least, I don't know, the final four. Right. Do, you know, make it not obvious, but if you can, get Coach K to the final four. Right. Last season. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. How about uh, the other game in that region? Gonzaga taking on Arkansas. This one's going to be fun. Arkansas run it up and down, you know, it, it looks like the old, uh, you know, 40 minutes of hell days under Nolan Richardson. They can put up points. Um, although they didn't shoot well against New Mexico State and still won that game. Um, you know, they, they've won some close games here in these first two rounds, beating Vermont by four, you know, squeaking it out against New Mexico State, 53 to 48. But you know, week off, they, had, they should have some fresh legs. I would expect Arkansas to put their best foot forward. Gonzaga takes down Georgia State pretty easily, you know, in the second half. They ran away with that one. Memphis, you know, Penny Hardaway is a great recruiter, but he's not a great in-game coach. If Penny Hardaway could have just figured some things out, made some adjustments, Memphis should have won that game last week. Um, Memphis is – more talented than what their seed was. Their coach is the one that was holding them back there in Penny Hardaway as a uh, nine seed. He's a great recruiter, but not a great in-game coach. With that said, Gonzaga taking Arkansas here. 
Tom Gonzaga has not looked great. Um, I would say they're vulnerable here. I would give Arkansas a good shot. I think Gonzaga wins, but I would put this as like a 60-40. I would not – it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Arkansas pulls this off. No, it wouldn't shock me either. And, you know, we both have Gonzaga winning the damn thing. But um, that being said, Gonzaga against Georgia State, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, that You know, I was watching that game, and I thought there's no way. Um, and I felt even the crowd, I don't know if you were able to watch that game, but even the crowd was, was chanting for Georgia State. Obviously, they want to see history happen. You know, it would be the second time. Um, I forget. Um, was it I'm trying to think who it was that knocked off Virginia but I don't think Virginia was the number one overall seed they were the number one overall seed by oh, also UMBC yeah that's right and so but I mean still it would have been a huge upset to watch and see but uh you know they they come back on Georgia State and just blow them out in that second part of that second half it was almost ridiculous like a 21-0 run and then you talk about how close that Memphis game was. Gonzaga is vulnerable. Um, I mean, Timmy had a great game against Memphis. You're going to have to have Chet Holmgren and, and Timmy. You're going to have to have all, all your people going because Arkansas uh, is, is going to be, you know, like you mentioned, fresh-legged. They're, you, you could see maybe an Arkansas versus Tech matchup. I think it's more, most, more likely we see Gonzaga-Duke, but uh, with the way the madness has gone so far, I think it's very likely you could see either or. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I would think Gonzaga still pulls it out that they come out of this West region. But, I mean, these four teams, you know, we, we, we still have the top four seeds in that region still competing here. It's going to be a good, a very good team, a championship-caliber team that comes out of that region. I'd lean towards Gonzaga, but – um, I would say Gonzaga and Texas Tech, I think, will be my picks out of the West and Gonzaga pulling it off. Um, and then, you know, I, I have uh, uh, in that uh, East region, I said I had North Carolina and Purdue um, in, in uh, that regional final there. I, I would go with uh, with North Carolina. So I'm riding with uh, Gonzaga and North Carolina right now. Let's move to the other side of the bracket, South region. Arizona taking on Houston. Arizona squeaks by TCU. TCU very well could have won that game, but some critical mistakes late in that game cost them. Arizona also beat Wright State before that. Houston, they dominate UAB, and then they put a beat down on a very good Illinois team. Kelvin Sampson has done a great job with that Houston team. They're so good defensively. They play so well as a collective unit. Tom, I'm calling it right now. Another one seed goes down. Arizona falls to Houston in uh, the regional uh, semifinal there. I think uh, Houston moves on uh, to take on the winner of a Michigan Villanova here. You know, I wouldn't be shocked either. I do have Arizona in my bracket moving on. I did have them playing Houston as well. But with the, with the way we saw Houston play Illinois, um, I was going to call it the same thing. I, I think and in the way that TCU – Oh, and I don't know about you. Like I said, I'm not one to defend a TCU. I'm not really even – it's not even my favorite purple team in the Big 12. Um, you know, but, God, I was rooting for – I was rooting the hell out of TCU. Um, you know, they played great. I, I thought that was a foul. I thought a foul should have been called. Do you want to mention the officiating? 
I thought a foul should have been called on the bump towards half court at the end of the at the end of regulation. Um, and there was another call in overtime I thought should have been was a little trash, but uh, I I agree. I think Houston pulls it off this weekend. Well, I guess that that game is Thursday night. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, that game coming up tonight. Michigan taking on Villanova, a rematch of the national championship game about what three or four years ago. Uh, Michigan, a team that. The resume said should not have made the tournaments, but the committee let in anyway, despite only winning 17 games. Uh, Villanova, been a very good team in the Big East all year. Michigan gets by Colorado State, really dominated that one. And then the Tennessee game, they played really good down the stretch. And here they are in the Sweet 16. Villanova beats Delaware pretty bad, started out slow, and then played a really good second half. And you know, they beat Ohio State by 10. Both teams playing really good. Um, Michigan, Tom, credit where credit's due. This was a team that shouldn't have been in the tournament, but they're in the Sweet 16. Villanova, I would expect their consistent play to continue. I think Villanova gets by Michigan here, and then I got them beating Houston. I think I'm, I'm going to take Villanova to uh, get out of the South region this weekend. They very well might, and um, you know I was shocked. Michigan beat Tennessee. Michigan has this uh, their big man Dickinson. I think is phenomenal. I've watched both Michigan games so far. I thought he was phenomenal in both of them. I think that's a future NBA player. Um, you know they they might be able to pull it off against against Villanova against Villanova. Um, like I said, I was shocked they beat Tennessee. I thought Tennessee had some had you know. Could have could have gone a lot further than you know. I think Tennessee should have won that game. I think they should be embarrassed. And that's not a diss on one, you know, Juwan Howard or anything. But you already said Michigan was one of those teams they kind of let in here. Um, so I, I still think it's going to be. I don't like Villanova, but uh, I think it's going to still be a good game. Yeah, I think so. Uh, let's move on to the Midwest region now. My Kansas Jayhawks, they you know beat the shellacking out of Texas Southern. Creighton plays a perfect game. They did all that they could have done possibly to win. And Kansas still pulled away late. And what did I tell you a few weeks ago on this show about this Kansas team? I said, if they did not get Remy Martin going, that they would exit the first weekend. And who has been the best player for the Kansas Jayhawks the last two weeks? He's been terrific coming off the bench. He's been the spark that they've needed offensively. He stepped up defensively like Bill Self wanted. Ochai Baji wasn't playing great there for a while. And then he had a really good second half against Creighton. I'm telling you, now I may be biased, but I think this Kansas team's the best team in America right now. I really do. They are red hot. I am not worried at all that they only beat Creighton 79 to 72 because of the efforts that we saw them play against Creighton. Kansas played a, a B minus B game against Creighton, still won, uh, you know, convincingly there. So uh, Bill Self thinks that this Kansas team still has their best basketball in front of them, that they have not played their best game yet. And they're going to need to going up against a very good Providence team who's had a, a historic season for their program. 
Tom, you and I were talking about last week. We don't talk about Providence in March very often. It's a big deal for them to be here. Um, I think uh, Kansas wins, but they're certainly going to be attested. They're, they're going to have to – you can't play a B or B-minus game again. I think you're going to have to have a, at least a B-plus or A-minus game if you're going to beat this very hungry Providence team, uh, Tom, on, uh, on this game on Friday. Yeah, I think they'll be ready. Like you said, it's I think it's big for them too to have fresh legs and how they get, you know, Bill Self gets uh essentially a week to to game plan. Um, you know, I, I like Remy Martin to to continue on the streak and I like uh, you know, Ochai Baji to continue as well. Um Providence is tough though. Well, I mean, you know, you look at it, it's a good transition in the next one, but Kansas wins here, then you got the winner of Iowa State and Miami. And if yeah. you get Iowa You've seen them. You know them. And this that's a weird game for me. Iowa State and Miami. <laughs> Miami has been a good team, but they've been so inconsistent throughout the year. Former Jayhawk Charlie Moore has been really good, especially in the defensive end for uh, Miami. Meanwhile, Iowa State uh, was on no one's radar this year. TJ takes over as their head coach. They got into the top 15 at one point. Uh, pulled off some big wins in the non-conference. I remember Thomas and I were hanging out one night at a bar in Tulsa, and what do you know, Iowa State's beating on Butler, and they're ranked 15th in the country. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? There was a stretch where they didn't win for an entire month, and it looked like that they were just ice cold. But they somehow miraculously pulled off two wins this weekend. The LSU game wasn't a big surprise because Will Wade been, had been fired the Wisconsin win was a big surprise because Wisconsin, a lot of people had picked to win the Midwest region. And uh, Iowa State pulls off that upset there. Now this weekend, Iowa State, Miami, um, a double-digit seed from a power conference is going to end up in the regional final one way or the other. Uh, I lean towards Miami in this game. I'll be rooting for Iowa State, but I lean towards Miami either way if you're Kansas uh, I think you're feeling pretty good about either matchup here. Um, I would say that of who's left of these four regions, um, Kansas has the easiest path of anybody to get to the final four uh, of these four regions remaining. And that's kind of what we had talked about last week, even looking at the bracket, Tom. No, we for sure did. I don't think we foresaw that it wasn't going to be, I don't think we foresaw it was going to be Iowa state versus Miami to be fair. To be fair, Wisconsin, great defensive team. They have that Davidson kid, unbelievable defensive player. I, he had – I'd like to see his plus-minus on, on defense. I, I thought he was incredible for Wisconsin. I, I really couldn't believe how good he was on defense. I, I could not. Um, they lost Wisconsin early. I don't know if you got to watch – this game at all, but they lost their point guard, Chucky Hepburn, and what was look end up being fine. Well, not fine. He didn't come back in the game, but I thought it was going to be a lot worse. I thought they were going to have to take him to the hospital. He ends up back on the bench, but it rolled his ankle pretty good. Looked like it snapped. Cool. It was in a lot of pain. And he was out for the rest of the game. It was midway through the first half. And I think if Wisconsin would have had him, I, I think Wisconsin would have ended up moving on. That game did come down to, you know, the final minutes and Wisconsin ended up winning by – or Iowa State, excuse me, ended up winning by five. 
Um, but you know, that's that's why you play the game. Injuries do happen, things happen. Iowa State moves on. You mentioned Miami in their own regard. You mentioned they were you've been inconsistent all year. They knock off an Auburn team, though, to be fair, also inconsistent. Right. Uh, so, you know, Jones, I you, we don't do this often enough. I'd like to pat us on the back to uh congratulate us on on you know saying that Kansas had the easiest path to Final Four. Uh, you know, yeah. hey, Providence no shit, though. Providence is no joke. So you get by then, and you can almost taste it for KU. Sure, I'm sure you as a fan, or you're just like, oh, baby, we're going back. Um, I'm very tempted to go ahead and purchase that airline ticket to New Orleans right now, but I'm um, smart enough home. to not do that yet. Um, as tempting as it may be, I will hold off. I will wait. And, uh, and be patient there. But nonetheless, that's a look at the bracket this weekend. Should be a lot of fun, some great college basketball. If you're a Kansas fan like myself, you're probably uh, going to try to block out Tyreek Hill out of your head and just try to keep your uh, mind on the fact that Kansas is four wins away from a national championship, <laughs> as far as that goes. Speaking of Tyreek Hill, before we bring in TJ, and then we'll talk to Coach Bo here in just a bit. Tom, I want to get your thoughts real quick. What a crazy week it's been. Deshaun Watson is now a Brown. Baker Mayfield's on the trade block. Uh, Devontae Adams is now with the Raiders. And Tyreek Hill was with the Miami Dolphins. And that is just some of the many moves that have occurred over the last few days in what I believe is the craziest offseason in NFL history. We haven't even got to the draft yet. Tom, what was the most surprising move to you of what we saw this past week? You know what? I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'll explain why I'm not going to be. Uh, it was Tyree killed this morning. Um, you know, we were in our little group chat. You sent and I go, what? Um, I, you I know, may have used a four letter word when I saw the news. Which, you know, arguably, I would have, I probably would have used worse. I probably would have used multiple four letter words, five letter words, because um, I couldn't believe it. Only because what we've, this is why, this is why the arms race. If you, you remember last year, the NFC West all of a sudden just got arms racy. Um, it got stupid. It, I mean, it got, I, I thought it got dumb at one point. Um, because, you know, the Rams were adding, they had added Von Miller. This is even before Von Miller, OBJ. They just started adding, stacking as much as they could. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Cardinals start getting crazy with J.J. Watt and, and other additions. I mean, they just stacked it up where it's almost like, where's all this money coming from? Well, now all of a sudden the AFC West is an arms race. Um, you know, you got the Chargers bringing in Khalil Mack. Um, you got obviously the Raiders bringing in Devontae Adams. You got the Denver Broncos finally making the trade they needed. To, I mean, that was maybe this, the one that I thought, okay, maybe they're not necessarily stacking the, their box here. That That's a, a move that if you want to be in this division and not bottom tier for the next however long, Drew Locke's not going to get it done. So I understood that. Well, but and then, you know, on the chief side of that, too, I think the frustrating thing is that you sit here today and of that arms race in the AFC, everyone else got better. And as of right now, the Chiefs are worse. Right. I mean, sure. What is, is it? Frank Clark's getting brought back. 
you you bring in you do bring in Juju Schuster Smith, who I thought would I thought to, I I'd love that addition for the Chiefs. I do. I still do. I love him as a number two, not as your number one option, right? Now. Oh, you know, of course not. I, I think there in 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 Pittsburgh, with how bad Big Ben was, I think for him, you know, and and um, oh my gosh, Claypool being yeah. there, kind of the addition of him coming out, his little coming out party. I, I thought he he kind of got left by the wayside, and so I thought this would have been the perfect year for Juju Schuster Smith to. To, to start, you know, get back to where he could have been, but not have super high expectations put on him. Now, I think a lot of expectations are put on him. I get it, though. The Chiefs have people to pay. Do do you – that, that was my thing. It, I think, Jones, when I say what most shocked me is how quick that was. That was – from that time you said that four-letter word to the time that deal was done was like, Two and a half, three hours at most. Right. Yeah. And now the Dolphins have Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. I would not want to play the. I don't know if Tua can get it to him. Um, but we saw the Dolphins kind of make a run. They started out like hot at the beginning, and then won what eight straight. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't if I'm the Bill. I mean, they obviously have the Bills to compete with. Uh, I guess and the Patriots too. So. Um, you know, I, I did think it was funny, Jones. I don't know about you. I did think it was funny that that essentially the Jets and the Dolphins were in in the trade talks with Kansas City. And then from what we understand or what we have heard, um, it was just essentially came down to Tyree Kill and where he wanted to go. Right. Tyree basically got to choose and it ended up being like a $10 million difference at the end of the day when it came to taxes of living in Florida or New York. So besides it being an obvious decision competition-wise, um, he made a lot more money by going to the uh, Dolphins than he did the Jets. I will say this on the Dolphins' front, uh, now that you've taken away Tyreek Hill from the Chiefs and what they did to Brian Flores, I wish nothing good on the Dolphins. I, you know, a couple months ago, I liked what they were doing with Brian Flores and what they were building and such. Now I, I wish for just a lot of bad things to happen to that franchise. I'm rooting against the Dolphins. We're an anti-Dolphins podcast from this day forward. So you've heard it first. Coming up next, TJ Reeves is set to join us as we will get his thoughts on the NCAA tournament. Also talk some uh, NFL free agency with TJ. And we'll have Coach Bowles Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisor Group uh, in just a little while from right now, plus our Tom Fullery story of the week. All that and more as we continue. Stay with us right here on the Jones Report. <laughs> Joining us now on the Jones Report this week from TuneIn Radio, college basketball coast-to-coast insider, my uh, fellow commentator, TJ Reeves, is uh, back on the program once again. Also works with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Radio Network and uh, a number of other avenues, uh, Compass Media Network, <laughs> college football as well. He's a busy man. And also, uh, you check don't out the, have enough time on the podcast to go over the TJ roll call, do you? The, the, the Three Dog Thursday podcast. What am I missing, TJ? 
I don't think you're missing anything much. Uh, yeah, we got I got more angles than a geometry books, I like to say right now this time of year, my friend, including the college hoops, which I know you want to get to, the NFL stuff that you want to get to. Have you gotten over, it's been a few hours, have you gotten over that the, tra- that the Chiefs have traded away Tyreek Hill, or am Thanks. I still group therapy for you right Thanks now? Thanks for reminding me. I'm still mad. I'm still, uh, I have a bone to pick with Brett Veach for this trade. I'm going to write a very strong letter. It might be just a tweet on Twitter, but there will be something said to Brendan. There will be words said, I believe, was something to that effect that you were saying. There will be yes. words said about this deal. So I'm I'm ready. Let's roll up the sleeves wherever you want to go, because I know your Jayhawks are in the Sweet 16 this weekend. Yes. My Memphis Tigers had Gonzaga on the ropes but couldn't stay alive. Gonzaga moves on. Kansas moves on. Arizona oh. escaped and moves on. So we got lots to talk about. So let's start on a happy note. Let's start with uh, the March Madness side. Uh, this past week, getting to this point of setting up the Sweet 16, TJ, this was one of the best first weekends I can recall. I mean – Every game was so fun to watch, and we had the upsets. We still had some favorites, some good teams move on. I mean, it was a good blend of everything. There is no doubt this tournament never fails to deliver. This tournament always has upsets, buzzer beaters, and the little guy. Who in the world had St. Peter's? Nobody. Not even St. Peter's fans. Friends and family of the players didn't have St. Peter's in the Sweet 16. If they did, show me a bracket. Show me a documented bracket where they had them there. Maybe they did. Uh, but, I mean, that what a great story. A little tiny 2,300-student school out of New Jersey is still alive. And it is going to be wild uh, because it's not that far from Philadelphia to see how many St. Peter's fans are there uh, for the matchup with Purdue coming on Friday night as we release this podcast. So that New Mexico state beats UConn uh, Richmond takes out Iowa uh, on and on down the list every year in this tournament, we get these kind of upsets, you know, a year ago in your part of the world, it was Oral Roberts with Max Asmus. That was the story and got all the way uh, to the sweet 16 that year. Take your pick with Shaka smarts, VCU, Uh, With Loyola of Chicago getting to a Final Four, George Mason getting to a Final Four, Wichita State. Do you want to stop me? I mean, this is the charm of this tournament, Tyler. Yes. And, TJ, when we get to this second weekend, we start to see the cream rise to the top, that the Cinderella stories start to come to an end. And, you know, we get these great teams, you know, in the Final Four usually. But there's times that a team or two – still slips their way in, you know, the, the VCUs of the world, the George mm-hmm. Masons. Um, when you look at this weekend of those higher seeds that are, that are left, Michigan, Iowa State, Miami, uh, St. Peter's, who is most likely of those double-digit seeds, do you think, to make it out of the weekend and be in New Orleans next week? I don't know that it's St. Peter's. I have Purdue emerging from that bracket, so I guess I'm biased. I'm going to stick to that. I think they're going to probably end it for St. Peter's. If you look at, uh, and I love Villanova in their bracket uh, to come out of that bracket, so I'm not taking Michigan over them. If you look at those teams that have a double-figure number next to their name, it's probably the Miami Hurricanes at this point and Jim Laranega that could get to the Final Four here. Miami's never been in the Elite Eight, Tyler. But Laranega has been to the Final Four with George Mason. He's been to the Sweet 16 before with a previous Miami team as well. Got a lot of coaching experience, good guard play. Do they have enough on their front line? They may not need it, though, in that Midwest regional 
Uh, the matchup with Iowa State is favorable for them with the guard play. And again, Kansas and Providence don't, you know this, they don't have uh, Providence probably a little more so than Kansas. They don't have great front lines with big time depth. Miami may be able to get out of that Midwest bracket. I know you don't want to hear that. You believe it's your Jayhawks, but if you're pinning me down on which one of the double digit seeds uh, that would have a chance to be in the final four, it's probably the Miami hurricanes, but uh, who knows the way Michigan played against Tennessee. If they replicate that in San Antonio, they've got a great chance to not only beat Villanova, but to emerge from there. Uh, the Wolverines just haven't been consistent. It would not surprise me if they, if they're a dud and Villanova puts it on them, Tyler, in that matchup coming on Thursday night. Let's uh, let's go region by region on this. Uh, starting with the West, Gonzaga, Arkansas, Texas Tech, and Duke. Um, I think CBS is rooting for Gonzaga and Duke to be the uh, regional final there, but. Those four teams, all pretty close. I don't think there's a big drop-off there. I think the the NCAA, you know, the officials are going to do what they can to help out Duke as much as possible. That's who <laughs> they want to see advance. But all four of those teams uh, pretty closely matched, I would think, TJ. Well, and I believe, and I've been saying this all week, and I, I think you and I may have even uh, corresponded off the year about this. I think Texas Tech is the tougher matchup for Duke than Gonzaga is. And Duke already beat Gonzaga in the pre-conference season, but the style of play uh, suits Duke more to play the way that Gonzaga plays than it does Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech will play much stingier. Uh, there'll be fewer possessions. They're better defensively than what Gonzaga is. I think that's a tougher game. I don't know that Duke survives to the weekend as much as CBS and the NCAA would want that to be there. I don't know that they do. Uh, I like Gonzaga over Arkansas. Again, same kind of thing that Arkansas is not as athletic as Memphis, not as many shooters and scorers that, as, as, as what Memphis had, and Memphis couldn't beat them. Uh, I don't think Gonzaga is going to be denied here being in the Elite Eight, and I think they ultimately emerge out of that West bracket beating Texas Tech. Uh, I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I, again, say here what I've said numerous other places. I have great affection uh, for what Coach K has done off the court with the V Foundation and fundraising. Uh, I got to do some broadcast work with him uh, back now about 14, 15 years ago with Sirius XM. Uh, back in 2006 and seven and eight, man, that's longer ago than I want to admit. That's before my 13-year-old twins were born, Tyler, that I was around Coach K. He could not have been more fantastic with me uh, off the air, very funny uh, in dealing with. This could be it, though. This could be it either in the Texas Tech game or the Elite Eight game uh, for him. And I fear, unfortunately, that I think that the Red Raiders will get him, and I think Gonzaga's coming out of that bracket. Okay. Okay. I, I'm – uh, I agree with you. I think Gonzaga's coming out of there, but I think Tech is going to get them in that Sweet 16 game. I think Tech beats Duke and the officials to, uh, to move on. Um, let's go to the uh, East region. North Carolina taking on UCLA. Purdue taking on St. Peter's. What do you think of, uh, of this group here, TJ? Uh, you know, Purdue, I know they're a three seed. I still felt like we don't really know much about them, though. I mean, this is kind of unfamiliar territory for, for Matt Painter and company. Uh, we usually don't see them past the second weekend. That's correct. And they've had trouble getting past this spot here, either the second round or the sweet 16, but I think they will. I think the extra days to prepare for St. Peter's is going to help Purdue out. Um, and I, I believe they will be in the elite eight against UCLA. I like the Bruins, even though they got to come all the way East 
from Los Angeles to Philadelphia here. Much easier trip for North Carolina to get there. Mick Cronin, much more experience in the postseason and the NCAA tournament final four a year ago than Hubert Davis, a first-year coach. Uh, can Jaime Jaquez, one of their better players, uh, play and play effectively with the injured ankle? We don't know for sure. We won't know till they get out there on Friday night, but I like UCLA. I like the matchup with Purdue, and I have Purdue ultimately emerging here. And if Purdue gets in the final four, it is the first time in 42 years that will have happened since the 1980 team. Tyler Jones not on the planet No, uh, when Purdue last got there. And Purdue lost to UCLA in that final four in 1980 in Indianapolis. Now they, they could potentially beat UCLA to get to the final four in New Orleans. And I think Purdue will get there. On uh, that UCLA-UNC front, UNC plays a lot, played a lot better the last couple of weeks, getting the win at Cameron Indoor, what they did last weekend, uh, upsetting Baylor. UCLA, high expectations going into this year, started to figure things out towards the end of the season. That, to me, is a really good matchup there between UCLA and UNC. I know the seed says 4-8, but uh, these are two teams that – if you did some reseeding of some sorts or probably two teams that are, are playing like, you know, two or three seeds right now. Well, just ask Baylor about that because yeah. they were pummeling Baylor until the, the, the famed Brady manic elbow. And uh, I again say, uh, as I said at the time coming off of the game Saturday and you were on with me on the college basketball coast to coast coverage. I did not believe that rose to the level of flagrant two and ejection. No. But they did questionable at best questionable. Uh, to be to be putting him out of the game, uh, but they survived the collapse. They collapsed, and then they won in overtime. That says something for North Carolina. I just think ultimately, Juzang uh, is a great clutch player. Tiger Campbell, the little guard with the wild hair, the little five foot eleven guard, made some huge shots uh, in their wins, uh, including their their uh, win late over Akron. Um, hit a couple of big shots, and then they they put it on St. Mary's as well. So they've got and, and Cody Riley, a big man that was proven last year in the tournament, is now coming on again for them. They've got weapons, and I think they're ultimately going to advance here. But it is two blue blood programs. I mean, when you talk about if you started having to go down the accolades of all American players, national championship seasons, you would have to go for about three or four minutes on North Carolina and UCLA. So there's no doubt for nostalgia and history, these are these are two phenomenal programs. All right, let's uh, go to the South region. Arizona and Houston. Arizona barely gets by TCU. Houston, they take care of business pretty easily against that Illinois team in the second round. Kelvin Sampson's had a lot of success in the NCAA tournament. TJ, I think Houston pulls off the upset here. I think Arizona goes down. What say you? It's compelling, and you look at what Houston did last year in the Final Four run and the teams they took down, and you've got a veteran coach who was in the Final Four before with Oklahoma, Kelvin Sampson in the NCAA tournament before with Indiana. And now you look at what he's built at Houston. A lot of experience there. And Tommy Lloyd is a first-year coach for Arizona. Here we go again. Cronin an advantage over a first-year coach in Hubert Davis. Will Coach K have an advantage over a first-year coach, head coach in Mark Adams? I know Mark Adams of Texas Tech has been in a Division II setting and won a national championship, so that's maybe not the same. But Tommy Lloyd at Arizona, first-year coach, will it be advantage Houston? I'm leaning that way, too. I do not have Arizona emerging out of that south bracket in San Antonio. I have Villanova ultimately beating Michigan and winning the regional final. 
I can totally see the Houston upset. I, I'm right there with you to have them back in the Elite Eight. Uh, again, not unlike Texas Tech, they've got three or four players that are 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 long arms, rebound, defend. They are going to be a problem for Arizona. So along those same lines, a uh, uh, philosophical question of some sorts here. When you see that, okay, Gonzaga with Mark Few, he's never won a national title. Texas Tech, you know, first-year head coach and Mark Adams. UNC, first-year head coach and Hubert Davis. Arizona, first-year head coach and Tommy Lloyd. Does experience matter that much, do you think, TJ? Does it mean a lot that these guys that we mentioned either haven't coached on this stage or haven't won big on this stage? I believe it does. I believe it will matter in this case in that Houston game. I think it has to matter. Uh, Bill Self has won so many big games. I'm playing your song now at Kansas. How do you not say that he has an advantage over Ed Cooley at Providence, who hasn't been in a single Final Four? And Bill Self has been in numerous Final Fours and has a, a national championship banner. So I, I think those are advantages. I, I really, I, I really honestly believe that there can be a coaching advantage. Mick Cronin again against Hubert Davis, kind of the same way like you alluded to again. Yes, I think I, I think there is something to that. The coach isn't going to go out there and make the shot, the key shot or two. He's not going to get the key stop or the key rebound. But in terms of X and O, in terms of what lineup do I need, in terms of the preparation for this game and the strategy of this game, yes, that, that coach is going to make a difference, the one that's been there. All right, uh, Michigan and Villanova. This might surprise some people, but this is – a uh, national title game rematch from like four or five years ago in uh, San Antonio, by the way, from yes. four years ago at the Alamo dome. This is at the Spurs AT&T center where they play in the NBA, but you're absolutely right. We had this game in San Antonio four years ago and Villanova won it. Um, I don't know what your feelings are here, but I think, I think this is Villanova, the champions of the big East tournament. I think this is them moving on, not only to the Elite Eight, but I think they're back in the Final Four in the Big East. I think so, too. I think they get out of this region. Um, too much offense. Michigan played really good the last couple of weeks, you know, a couple of days, rather. But uh, I can't get out of my head the Michigan team we saw at the end of the season. I think that yep. team shows up against Villanova. Inconsistent. And, and from one game to the next, I mean, they destroyed Purdue – late in the regular season at home and looked like an NCAA tournament team. And then they turned right around and lost the next two games, I believe. So which Michigan is it? Did they cool off after what they did in Indianapolis? How much of that will have to do with Villanova? We'll see. Uh, Midwest region, Kansas taking on Providence. TJ, no disrespect to Miami or uh, Iowa State, but I feel like this, this Kansas-Providence game is the real regional final here. Strong argument for that. And I love... I love the points for Three Dog Thursday purposes. I'm just teasing that podcast, the brother podcast here of, uh, of the Jones Report. I, that's too many points for Providence. This is going to be a close game and a battle. If they're getting seven or seven and a half or whatever it is, uh, I think this is a close battle here, and I think you're right. I, I think the winner of this game uh, most likely is the Final Four team, and I took Kansas before the tournament began. I did not have them playing uh, Providence. I actually had them playing Iowa and I had Kansas beating Iowa. I will stick to Kansas as being the team that emerges and they don't have Auburn down at the bottom. They don't have Wisconsin down at the bottom. I think it sets up for your Jayhawks, my friend, to be in New Orleans. 
Yeah, uh, I think so. And uh, never trust Fran McCaffrey. That's the lesson we all learned the uh, hard way. Um, but uh, that Iowa State-Miami game, TJ, uh, Iowa State was bad going into the tournament. And they rattle off two wins last week. The LSU win, not a huge surprise considering Will Wade's not there. The Wisconsin win certainly caught me off guard because Wisconsin was wow. really well. Miami has been an up-and-down team, but they've shown signs throughout the year. USC game was uh, a toss-up game anyway. The Auburn game really caught me off guard. Uh, I did not see Miami playing like that again. And I I would give the edge to Miami over Iowa State there, but I don't think either one of these teams are beating the the Kansas Providence win. And give credit again to TJ Otzenberger and Iowa State, a program that won two games a year ago. Two horrible season. And now here they are in the Sweet 16, just the fact to get there. And they won a game against the Wisconsin Badgers in a home away from home situation in Milwaukee, only about an hour from Madison, a very partisan crowd in Milwaukee. They handled it. They won the game, but I think the magic runs out for the reasons we talked about earlier, the guard play, Charlie Moore, the point guard, Wong, the shooting guard that that played so well in the USC game and the Auburn game. I think this is Miami. I think it's Miami and Kansas with Kansas eventually emerging. Let's see what happens. Who's your uh, pick to win it all at this point, TJ. I like, this Kansas team, you know, I feel like they're the best team to catch you right now, but I've doubted them all season long and they've proved me wrong to get to this point. So I don't feel like I want to curse it and just flat out say Kansas is going to win it all, but I feel like they're the hottest team of, of the bunch right now. Let's say you, who's uh, who's your favorite to walk away with this title, this final 16. I think it has to be Gonzaga until we see differently. And, and maybe I look foolish and Arkansas takes them out, but I don't think so. I think there's too much firepower from Gonzaga and Arkansas. Wants you don't to play think there's the anything to read into of them barely getting by Memphis. No, I think, I think that was a test and they passed it. They outplayed Memphis in the final 20 minutes and I think they're going to rock and roll against Arkansas. I think they're laying like eight points for three dog Thursday purposes. Stay away from the hogs in that one. I don't know that I would take those eight points in that game. Uh, I think, I think this is Gonzaga ultimately against Villanova in the championship game. I had that before the tournament began. Uh, it's not always the best team that gets there. And heck, neither one of these teams may get there. That is the beauty of this, Tyler Jones. We're sitting here on the eve of the Sweet 16, releasing this podcast, and I believe it's Gonzaga and Villanova, and it could just as easily be Texas Tech and Purdue. It could just as easily be uh, Villanova and Kansas. It could just as easily be Providence and Arizona. That is the beauty of this tournament. You get one shot at it for a 40 minute, maybe extended in overtime, but for a 40 minute game and a night, you get one shot at it. And if you're bad, you don't get to come back and play best of five or even best of three. That's it. So, but I believe ultimately the talent level there, few's experience, few has been in the championship game two previous times. Been in the final four. I think they ultimately push it across the finish line when it's all said and done. We saved the best of three for the CBI final. If that tournament still exists, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, a good line from you. I love it. <laughs> moving on. Let's uh, talk NFL. Uh, yes. TJ, uh, this offseason, craziest I can ever recall, and we haven't even gotten to the draft yet. Um, what has been the biggest surprise to you uh, from what we've seen? I mean – and you're not in the woods, Tom Brady coming out of retirement. Yep. A- an afterthought. That was yesterday's news within 24 right. hours. 
Well, let me get this straight. My man, Tyler Jones, moves to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, taking a great gig with Chat Sports, and they want you to hone in on the Seattle Seahawks. And they can't keep Russell Wilson for you until you at least get there before they deal him away to the Denver Broncos. What is up with that? Uh, um, and that's you talked about surprising in a surprising uh, off season of the NFL. I think that is, and, and again, uh, very few situations as a player untradeable. Wayne Gretzky got traded, for example. Uh, you know, we, we we love to hang on to our heroes, but eventually Joe Mo- Joe Montana got traded away from the uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. You watch sports enough. Uh, you see guys end up on other teams in trades or whatever. And ultimately that's what the Seahawks did with the franchise. That guy for the last decade has been their franchise. So that, that I think is the biggest stunning move is to get used to him in Broncos, orange and purple um, for their upcoming or dark blue or whatever that color is. They'll primarily wear the orange a lot of the time Uh, that, that one is hard to get used to. Again, the Buccaneers are putting the pieces back together here from a team uh, that, that that won the division last year, won a playoff game last year, is going to have a 46-year-old quarterback as the as the maestro leading the orchestra here. Uh, it's going to be wild in Tampa Bay. Storylines everywhere. Aaron Rodgers back, but Devontae Adams not with him. He's in Las Vegas. Your Chiefs deal away Tyreek Hill and get a and get a bounty back in return for that. It has not been dull in the offseason for sure. No, it hasn't. Um, what I wonder, too, when you look at some of these moves that were made, the Broncos, you know, getting Russell Wilson and, you know, the Chiefs bringing in, uh, you know, getting, getting rid of, you know, Tyree Kill and Packers moving on from Devontae Adams. You know, these trades have gone down. Has the compensation been what you expected? Are these teams getting enough back in return for the star players they've given up? Man, on the Russell Wilson trade, good Lord, with the three number one picks, and you got a quarterback that's a former number one pick that's an option. You've got a tight end that was a number one pick, and you got a good defensive lineman. Seattle needed players. They needed to upgrade their roster, and, man, did they get a lot in return on that one. I guess that I'm going to kick it back to you. Did the Chiefs get enough for Tyreek Hill? Because it's what? It's one number one, if I saw that in the trade, and then a couple of other premium picks. They got, like, four draft picks for him. That's not nothing. That's not like a single solitary, you know, first round pick. They got, they, they got a bounty for Tyreek Hill. And I don't know. Um, I mean, if he's worth that, uh, I mean, you, you, you know, again, D- uh, Devonte Adams went for three draft picks as well to the green Bay Packers, but Ty, uh, is Tyreek Hill really worth four picks four premium draft picks? Apparently the Miami dolphins think so. Well, I would say too, TJ, that, when you look at what the Rams did of throwing away picks and turning it into a Super Bowl ring, all of a sudden that's kind of paved the way for the rest of the NFL where maybe picks aren't quite as valuable as what we typically think of. Uh, You know, in the Chiefs case, I think they were excited about the having the cap space freed up of some sorts, you know, of, of not only not spending that money, but what else they could do with it of, of that cap freedom it, it, it gave them. Well, and you mentioned the Rams. All right. So they did win the Super Bowl. They pushed all the chips in the middle of the table to go get uh, Matt Stafford, to go get Odell Beckham, to go get Vaughn Miller and have to make trades and, and make moves uh, to do that. 
And, and it's usually the second year, the third year, where you will really see that they miss those premium draft picks. Perfect example, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I squeezed them in again, made that trade for John Gruden, the head coach of the Raiders, trading away two number ones, two number twos, and, and about $8 million. The $8 million at that time, not, not that big a deal then or now. But those draft picks, that the Buccaneers' theory was – hey, we're going to be really good, and those picks are going to be at the bottom of the first round, the bottom of the second round. And as it turns out, they were really good, but then not having a number one or a number two pick for a couple of years really set them back, and they began to scramble. And, and look, there were other factors. They got older. The salary cap was a problem. But for the Rams, t- tell me what the Rams look like in 23. Tell me what they look like in 24, because that's where you don't have those premium picks over and over again to help your team reload and work under your salary cap. And I think that could be the case with the, uh, with the Rams if they're not able to get a couple of them back, a couple of premium picks back this draft, next draft. It eventually is going to affect you that you don't have enough at the top. Um, well, uh, we'll end on this, TJ. Um, of the offseason so far, who has had the, the biggest offseason? Who, who has won it necessarily? If you had to pick one team that – has stood out from the rest, who would it be? I I think you go right back to the Denver Broncos where they had to have a home run, mixed metaphor, big-time name, splash name, somebody to build around. It's them. They went bold. They went big and traded away players and picks. So I, I think landing Russell Wilson when there were numerous other teams, including the Buccaneers that were interested and, and probably three or four others that would have made that trade had they – had they been able to pull it off, um, and yet Russell Wilson ends up in Denver. That's probably the biggest one. Uh, you could argue Aaron Rodgers returning to Green Bay as the most valuable player, but it's, it's kind of strange. He's back, and the best receiver is not back in Green Bay. So that's a tumultuous offseason, really, in Green Bay that Rodgers' best receiving weapon is now in Vegas uh, with the Raiders. Uh, and I, I cannot say enough, the Tampa Bay area on fire again for the Buccaneers with Tom Brady back. The optimism sky high. Let's hope that the Buck offensive line can protect him, keep him healthy, because my goodness, at the end, I was right there at field level. As you know, Tyler Jones, at the end of this past season, he's still throwing lasers. He's throwing the ball all over the place to the tune of 5,000 yards and 43 touchdowns, and they won 13 regular season games and won every important game again down the stretch of the season and won a playoff game. How do you not get excited about Brady being back and bringing a lot of the weapons back with him for the Buccaneers? And they're going to be on national TV a bunch, a bunch upcoming, the Bucs. And with Deshaun Watson ultimately not going to one of those three other NFC South teams that were – rumored all of a sudden it looks like the 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 Bucs should win the NFC South pretty easily looks pretty good for Brady to come back and and we and we left out the whole scenario you're right he didn't end up with the Falcons or with the Saints who were in on him Uh, we left out the whole thing about his guaranteed deal and Cleveland and what do they do with Baker Mayfield now and are the Browns are the Browns still looking at Deshaun Watson getting like a six or eight game suspension Let us not forget here on the Jones report, Ezekiel Elliott, not criminally charged, still got suspended by the NFL for the conduct policy. Ben Roethlisberger, not criminally charged, still suspended under the NFL conduct policy. And also Uh, along those same lines, Watson was paid all last year. It doesn't matter that he didn't play. He still was paid as if he played. That's correct. But in terms of the NFL, now that the, 
the criminal process is he's not going to be charged. The NFL punishment process isn't just going to forget. And if, if I'm the Ezekiel Elliott camp and representatives, and if I'm the Ben Roethlisberger camp and representatives, you better not forget because you punished our guys under the conduct policy. So if you're the Cleveland Browns, you may not have Deshaun Watson for the first six games of the season. I know it's the long play with the guaranteed deal, but Cleveland 2022 could be a mess where Deshaun Watson is gone for multiple games at the beginning of the year. We'll see. Jacoby Brissett, get ready. <laughs> DJ. What do they do with Baker Mayfield and who takes him? He's disgruntled. We don't know. Stay tuned on the NFL offseason uh, wheel of fortune here on where, where it's going to end up. I'd like to see him in Seattle, personally. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't be that far-fetched to say that that move maybe happens uh, for him out there. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. TJ, plug away. Where can people find you? Always love being on with you. College Basketball Coast to Coast is the show that you've participated on. We have the live channel on TuneIn under that name. College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast under the same name, wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. We're talking pregame, postgame mode on College Basketball Coast to Coast for the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. We'll be live at the Final Four in New Orleans on that channel on TuneIn and with the podcast. So we're excited about that. And as we release this Jones report, Three Dog Thursday is out. We're talking underdogs in the NCAA tournament with my handicappers on Three Dog Thursday. Love the underdogs on that podcast. Get it wherever you get podcasts. Other than that, I'm hanging with you on the Jones Report. I'm about talked out for this week. Can we get to the games? Can we get to Thursday and Friday and uh, and get to eight more games to sort out who are the final eight teams in this tournament? And next week, we know the final four teams that are headed to New Orleans. I cannot wait. Throw the ball up. Let's go, my friend. Let's do it. TJ Reeves, check him out on Twitter at Guy. Appreciate the time as always, my friend. We will talk again soon. Thanks for joining us. Love being with you. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also, you can reach out to Bo by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian with a Y, dot O'Connor at lpl.com. O'Connor Advisory Group also on Facebook. And you can check out the Coach Bo Knows Podcast out each and every Monday and Friday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing? How are things at OAG this week? We're doing well. You know, this is uh, – spring's always kind of a – a weird time you know everybody's getting ready for tax seasons coming up and um you know from there we've been doing a lot of last minute people doing contributions to iras for previous years they get that last tax deduction in and things like that it's an interesting time of year and uh our business will pick up drastically here in about a month so it's a great time if you need to start thinking about planning you need want to chat it's a great time to do it because we got a little bit of time right now so we want to be your partner OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com for more information there. So, Bo, since we last talked, Sean Watson is now with the Browns. Uh, Matt Ryan is now with the Colts. Tyreek Hill is now with the Dolphins. Devontae Adams was with the Raiders. And there's a whole lot more in between. What, What do you make of what has gone down just within this last week? 
it, it's the 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 first deal was the uh, quarterback carousel, and then we're still seeing a little bit of uh, you know, that going on with you know now we had Ryan and Watson. We waiting for Watson. That was the big thing. What's going to happen there? That hits. Then Matt Ryan goes. Baker Mayfield's still out there and available to somebody. Someone's going to pick him up eventually. Jameis Winston's now signed with the Saints. Uh, Marcus Mariota to the Falcons. It's and then you have the big stuff on top of that. I, I'm surprised with Devontae Adams. That was the one I didn't see coming. Figured Watson was going to get traded eventually, especially when his court stuff went away. The Brown thing surprised me because he initially yeah. told the Browns no. Yeah, I think that when it came down to there, and you would know this better than I would, I got to assume they're the one that came up with the best contract off. Yes. That, that's what it I have to It was all assume. fully guaranteed. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was – and I talked a lot about this in my Monday podcast. We touched on it. We've already recorded for Friday. We just did it this evening. And I think that that's troubling to me on some of that. They went ahead and fully guaranteed that contract. I'm not going to get into all the social stuff on that. It's I'm very troubled about the whole situation on, on the Deshaun Watson thing. I'll say that. I Football-wise, it makes sense. Football-wise, that guy's talented. I understand making a trade for him. You have to fill stuff. I, I don't understand. But but even then, let, let me counter that point. Let's Like we said, we'll keep yeah. the off-the-field stuff out of it. But yeah. on the field, he has – a significant injury history, and he is a mobile quarterback. Just in that alone is a lot to guarantee. Yeah, it is. Um, but I think that's what Cleveland was going to have to do to get a player to go there. What we have seen in the last week, I think it really hasn't been said, we've seen some teams overpay. We saw the Jags overpay very much for Christian Kirk. We see – uh, this deal now, as far as the guarantee contract, an overpay for Deshaun Watson. Um, I think Tyreek Hill got more money than he was going to get anywhere else. Uh, an overpay there. So I think that some of these teams that were the lower end teams, and Miami's only kind of in the middle of that lower end. Teams are having to overpay if they're not one of these teams with the young quarterback. Are teams overreacting to the, the salary cap, making a big jump up? I think they're overreacting to the future cap. What seems to be happening, because we knew the cap was going to bounce because it's based upon uh, revenue. The revenue was down in 2021. We knew it was going to go to about 208, 210, which is where it's at now. I think it's 208. And we know it'll be 20 million higher next year. But after that, it's going to jump even higher. We're going to be at $300 million within three or four years. I think the, what we're seeing is teams saying, screw the salary cap. We'll kick this thing down the road as far as we have to. Von Miller's contract is a great example of that. We'll pay that backside stuff. It's going to be a smaller percentage of the cap. Um I think we'll see, we're seeing some of that stuff. It's not really a disregard for the cap today. These are all disregard for the cap in the future. Okay. Because they're going to be they, – they, all these contracts are backweight. Even though they're fully guaranteed – some of these contracts are fully guaranteed. You know, like Watkins is fully guaranteed. Um, Hill got a certain amount of guarantee. It's a bonus up front. It's 
you know, they have spread out over the cap years, over the number of years of the contract. And then they'll, they'll back weight some things and they'll see how it goes. I, I think it is, I think you're right. It is a disregard for the salary cap, but it's more a disregard for the future salary cap. So and being creative with it. In the case of the Chiefs and the Packers, they get rid of their top receivers, similar draft compensation. Both teams seem to be very aware of the salary cap with the moves they've made. Yeah. But at the same time, too, and especially in the Chiefs case, I'm sitting here saying, yeah, you may have gotten a nice haul in what you traded for. Maybe. Um, give you the benefit of the doubt and say you do. But on the flip side, too, I look at it, and you are significantly worse. There is almost nothing the Chiefs can do to get better now between now and when the season starts in what they were with Tyreek Hill from what they are uh, without him. Same with the Packers. I don't think the Packers can do anything between now and when the season starts to get better than what they were with Devontae Adams. And you have two teams that are in win-now mode. Yeah, well, okay, so I'll address the Packers first and go to the Chiefs. The Packers, I agree, they are going to be even harder because they're not going to get anybody to go there. Um, that's going to be even more difficult. They're counting on Rodgers to carry the team. With the Chiefs, yes, they're worse today than they were yesterday. No doubt, no doubt. But the Chiefs are looking at this saying, we're trying to build for a window. The Packers' window is this year and next, and they didn't do a good job with the Devontae Adams trade as far as I'm concerned. They got a good package back, but they're going to have to use those picks really quickly and really wisely to build something for Rodgers right now. With the Chiefs, it's not just 2022. It's they've got to be competitive 2022, 23, 24, 25. And with Tyreek Hill – it's either, as my dad would say, shit or get off the pot. They either had to extend him now or they risked losing him completely. And when going in, they get that, you know, they go in. I, again, I'm assuming this all came down to money in, in the salary cap. I mean, I if 10 days ago, if they were negotiating this deal, it should have gotten done 10 days ago. Devontae Adams' new contract is what cost the Chiefs Tyreek Hill, in my opinion because he wanted Devontae Adams' money once he had a chance. And he's negotiating with the team that needs him the most. Mm-hmm. So when that falls apart, the Chiefs say, hey, we can't afford this. They can make up, in a lack of a better term, a money ball situation, Tyree Kill in the interim. They can get two or three players. The fact that what they're going to get out of this is they're going to get one of those top receivers in this draft. I think the draft and what it looks like in the draft this year, with the wide receiver position being deep, there are going to be six of them in the first round. And they're all six probably going to be pretty good. There's one better than all the rest. But those six could all be difference makers. You might get – I don't know if you'll get Devontae Adams. He's the best receiver in the league right now. You might get a legit number one guy. And now you've got him on a rookie contract. I kind of like the trade. I kind of like the Hill, Hill, Hill trade a lot more than most people do. 
Now, I know I'll say that, but I also will say I would have liked it had they extended him 10 days ago at 24 million a year. But you wouldn't have liked it at 28 at, or at 28 or 30. No, I don't think he's worth that. I don't I don't think any receiver's worth it. And I don't think that Tyreek Hill is in Devontae Adams' category. Now, you mentioned the Devontae Adams trade, the effect that it had on the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill. If you're the Raiders here, essentially, you got to be like dancing on a grave right now, right? I mean, yeah. you brought yeah, in. Yeah, they double whammy the Chiefs here. Right, exactly. That's what I mean. You bring in Devontae Adams, and in the process, you were the domino that caused the other domino to fall to get Tyreek Hill out of the division here. Yeah. I mean, everybody in the AFC West has gotten better this offseason, and the Chiefs are worse. Yeah. Well, here I'll say it this way. Let's say the Chiefs get Marquez Valdez scam. Okay. okay. They're talking to him. Let's say the Chiefs in the first round make a little bit of trade up. They get Jamison Williams from Alabama. Okay. There's your new number one. So you got Schuster, who you got on a one-year deal. It's kind of a try it out. Let's see if he works. You've got bring in Jamison Williams. You got Scantling. You've already got one of the best one or two tight ends in the league. And Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey. Michael Harbin coming back. And you got Michael Harbin. I Mahomes is good enough. He damn sure should be. If he's the guy, he should be good enough to be able to do these without without the Tyreek Hill piece. I, you know, I'm the guy who I like Tyreek Hill as a player. And I have said I think his value is much higher in the Kansas City offense than it is with hardly any other team. Because you got to have a quarterback with the ball deep. Oh, he's going to be pretty pissed with Tua pretty fast, I would think. Yeah, he's not going to like Tua and Teddy Bridgewater. But you know what he is going to like? Payday. <laughs> right. Every every Friday, he's going to like that check. I guess they're Tuesday when they get paid. But they're going to, he's going to like that check. And I don't blame Tyreek Hill for doing this. I don't blame Tyreek Hill for getting his money. The Chiefs got him through two contracts where they got him on a good deal because of things he did when he was younger. And, you know, they got his first rookie contract. He got a little bit of an extension on that. They got him below market value twice. Now they've sold him in a trade. I mean, I, I hate to say sells like a slave, but you, you, you now you trade. You trade him, you get a whole – I like what they got. They weren't getting two ones. Anybody thinks they only should have held up for two ones, fuck you, they're not getting two ones. They weren't. They weren't they, – they, there's enough evidence that Tyreek Hill's not good enough for two ones. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a very good receiver. But and he's, he's a former fourth-round pick that you've turned into this? Yeah. I think you take that – I think the Chiefs will end up on draft day making a trade on draft day. They're going to have 29 and 30. They've got a, a high second-round pick now. And they'll flip this where they're going to take – if they're smart, if they can get away with it, if the draft works out well enough. They can get either um, either Jamison Williams or Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Those are the two receivers I've been looking at because the first two or three I think will be gone by then. But if you can move up twenty, if you can move up twenty, and I think twenty nine and the second pick, second round pick can get you there. You now got your number one. But what will also happen is the Chiefs pick thirty. And what I think will happen on draft day, as long as they don't package both picks, 
they'll trade out of 30 back into the second round, pick up an extra second round pick, and that'll be a team trying to get into the first round to take Matt Corral. Yeah. Mississippi. I think that's what the Chiefs are looking at, and they did that, that calculus very quickly when the contracts broke down. They just said, hey, we, we're at this number. We can't go to this. They were to 25. They couldn't go to 30. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame the Chiefs on that. I, I really don't. I, 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 there's enough evidence that Tyreek Hill isn't worth that much money. Yeah. yeah. There's enough advanced metrics to say he's not as good now as he was two or three years ago. Sure. And, and, and I was surprised when I looked at a lot of that stuff today. Uh, and, and a big part of it, the offense is changing a little bit. I think this is also a little bit of it's going to force Mahomes to grow up a little bit. You know, I've, one of the big things I've battled with the whole Chiefs offense thing is that a lot of schoolyard bullshit where they're going to throw a big long pass to Hill. Hey, your, your franchise quarterback has to grow up and play quarterback like a real like a real quarterback yeah. all the time, not just not just 80% of the time. And I think that's going to help. I think he goes and get a Schuster's a good a good signing. If they get one of these young young wide receivers, they get cheaper. You know, if another veteran comes in, what happens if they sign Jarvis Landry? What happens if they go get, you know, Marquez Scantling? All right. I mean, they're one of these guys is going to sign up the Chiefs, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a veteran guy. You know, there'll be somebody from Andy Reid's, you know, Ghost of Christmas Past who comes in there and becomes a deep threat. You're, there are deep threats out there. Well, and that is not just something only Tyree Hill can do. His his track record with receivers is so good. I mean, you know, R- Riley Cooper, you know, had a good run in an Andy Reid system. Look how you good know? Deshaun Jackson was with, right. with, with, with Andy Reid in Philly. Are you talking I mean, about who knows? Maybe Tyree Hill is just another Deshaun Jackson. I don't know. I, I think he's better than that, but I think that different kind of route running, Deshaun yeah. Jackson was a deep threat. I'd say Deshaun Jackson's better hands than Tyreek yeah. Hill. I think Tyreek Hill's inability to be a consistent route runner is the reason he's not that guy. Right. And that's um, not a knock on him. Look, what he does is incredible. And he got to use that to the best of his ability in Kansas City. And he got a Super Bowl out of it. Without him, they don't win a Super Bowl a couple years ago. Right. No. I think it was great for everybody. But sometimes it's time to move along. Yeah. And I think this is the right situation. Let's move on here. Yeah. Uh, the Colts bring in Matt Ryan, and the Falcons no longer have to put up with Matt Ryan, do Matt Ryan things anymore. Um, going to Indianapolis, you know, you and I were not fancy Carson Wentz at all. No. Um, they have a, a really good team around Matt Ryan. Yeah. Do you think that under Frank Reich, there could be a resurgence. Is there a second chapter to Matt Ryan? Can he do what Stafford did with the Rams? Or is this another journeyman quarterback here in Indianapolis? What can Matt Ryan do there? Matt Ryan can win games. I mean, he's Matt Ryan has never been a bad quarterback. I make fun of Matt Ryan constantly. I'm a Saints fan. We make fun of Falcons. We do. But, and I always say Matt Ryan does Matt Ryan things. A lot of that's been that he hasn't had a lot of pieces around him especially in the offensive line. I mean, but he's going to get the Indy. It's going to be a good spot. Um, do I think they're a Super Bowl contender? Probably not. But are they a playoff contender? Absolutely. 
And could they be a team that can run off some wins? Yes. I don't think Matt Ryan's as good as Matt Stafford. Would you take but him do, over Tannehill? Is he the best quarterback in this division? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think if I had the Colts team, I would take Matt Ryan over Ryan Tannehill. Okay. And I'm not even sure about that. That's a good one and one a kind of thing. I mean, those guys are because what Tannehill's good as to play action. You got the running back and the running situation there, same as Tannehill does in Tennessee. I think those two teams are really similar. I think those are two teams are built to be a certain type of team. They they reflect their coaches in that way. Um, they're the kind of team that can be a thorn in your side. And I think the difference between the Colts. The Colts will be a better team with Matt Ryan than they were with Carson Wentz. Yes. I mean, I think they'll be a lot better. Uh, they will, I, I, they'll make the playoffs. Yeah. Now, I don't, I, it's hard to say that in the AFC. There's so many good teams. But they are, roster-wise, that's a really good roster. Yeah. And the fact that they can run the ball really well, Matt Ryan's been best when he's had a good running attack. And Jonathan Taylor's as good as they have it. There is in the NFL right now. Yeah. Got a good offensive line, too. Ryan's never played behind an offensive line this good. No, never. They'll keep him upright. It's just a matter of they need to get into games and be in close games where he doesn't have to make a play. That's always been his Achilles when he's a Falcon, is that if you need him to make a play late in the game, it tends to not go well. And not necessarily because of him, but because of people around him sometimes. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's an I think that's an interesting marriage. Matt Ryan and the Colts. That one that one was interesting to me. Yeah, I think so. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, I got an idea on this Brown situation. Okay. Yeah, With, you. Uh, you know, Deshaun's their guy. Jacoby Brissett's gonna fill that void during the while he's suspended. Um, and then Deshaun will come back and have all that money waiting for him and such. Okay. Um, Baker Mayfield's still there. He's still on the trade market. And, you know, there's been some speculation that the Pittsburgh Steelers would be very interested in Baker if the Browns end up releasing him. Either way, whether they trade him or release him, the Browns will have to pay $18 million in dead money to Baker Mayfield, no matter what no matter what team he plays for next year. So here's my thinking, Bo, okay? So the Browns don't want to trade Baker within the division. We we understand why. It makes sense. All right. But part of me is like, okay, if you have made it clear that you do not believe that Baker Mayfield is that guy, that you have done what it's taken to move on and find another quarterback and kick Baker to the curb, if you don't believe in Baker at all, which is what they've made it clear, why would you fear him going to the Steelers then? Yeah. That's Call really their bluff. Make the trade. Yeah. I I think the whole thing of trading someone in the division is kind of an overrated thing anyway. Um, if you, yeah, if you don't have any confidence in Baker Mayfield, send him to your worst enemy. Right. What's they going to do? What's the worst that can happen? Are, I mean, are you – something tells me the back of their minds they're fearful of always. That organization knows what they're doing. They have a future Hall of Fame head coach and Mike Tomlin. They might be able to make Baker Mayfield work. Yeah, I I don't know what the – I don't know really what the Browns were thinking here. It, it they, had, they were stuck in the same situation the Chiefs are with Hill. 
you either have to extend him or you're going to have to let him go next season because he only had the one more year on his contract. Um, I think that they didn't know what they have. They, they really the, – the Browns don't know what they have in Baker Mayfield, and they should know by now. There's been times Baker Mayfield's played incredible. There have been games. We've seen games where Baker Mayfield's played at an all-pro level. The times he's played at a and it, an we've seen him play at an awful level at times. I think it's I think that you know the Odell Beckham thing, I think really has weighed back on 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 Baker. A lot of that was put on put back on Baker about what happened with Odell. Odell leaves the model citizen and wins the Super Bowl. Jarvis Landry said he wanted out. So he gets out. Um, I think that the Browns had to make a move. I'm surprised they made the move they made. But I don't know what they're going to do with Baker Mayfield because now Baker Mayfield doesn't have any value because now the Browns have played their hand out. They've gotten Matt Ryan. and they, or they, I'm sorry, they've got uh, – the Colts got Matt Ryan, so you can't trade him to Indianapolis. Right, they got Deshaun they went, Watson. And then they went and got Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett, uh, which Jacoby Brissett is a really a really good pickup. Yes. One, he's going to fill in admirably during however long that suspension is. And two, he's a really good quarterback. Yes. Um, I really have Jacoby Brissett to make Mayfield. Um, but I – Baker Mayfield is a guy that could go to an organization um, – how, how until yesterday, the Browns were on the phone with the New Orleans Saints mm-hmm. and saying, "Hey, you know, we got to, we got to, we got to pay this dead cap. We are, we already know we got dead cap money here. Let's just get what we can. What can we get? What can we get from? Can we get a first round pick from you? Of course, Saints would say, "No, they're not going to give a first round pick to him. They can figure something out. That would have been a marriage, I think." I think Houston would have been a good marriage. I think putting Baker in the deal to Houston would have been a good idea. Now, tell me this. I mean, you follow these cap numbers closer than I do. The Baker's going to make $18 million. The Browns got to pay it no matter what. Mm-hmm. So if somebody trades for Baker, um, salary-wise, are they essentially getting him for free next year? No, the way the, the, way the dead money works, I'll explain it a little bit better. So – Dead money means that there was bonus money that's already been paid to the player that has not been accounted for on the salary cap yet. Right. So let me pull up Baker Mayfield, for instance. Um, There's a spot where you can find this. So Baker Mayfield, his base salary is um, $18 million this year. It's a fully guaranteed $18 million. He has no more prorated bonus, but because they've waited till the first day of the new season, now his per his contract, the guarantee kicked in. So it's not prorated bonus. So if the Browns were to cut Baker Mayfield, they don't have to pay Baker the 18 million, but 18 million is counted toward the salary cap in this case. Um, there's also trades so a trade in this case i just clicked on it a pre-june one trade they would actually move it because there's no this is a roster bonus this is actually just salary his salary would move with him to the other team and then the the browns would would lose that 18 million would come off their cap okay so the browns want to trade him they don't they'll trade him for anything right now 
because it's 18 million off their cap if they can do it. Baker won't get that money in his case because he's already received all his bonus. He's already been paid 21.8 million in bonus. He's received all of his bonuses for this for this, his entire rookie contract. Um, yeah, so and, and that's a little different. Usually you have players like Tyreek Hill was a little different. He had money that was still not owed to him. It was already paid to him, but had not been accounted for in the cap. Okay. That's when you see these people restructure contracts and they say, well, we're going to extend a player. They kick that that boast that bonus. They spread it over the life of the contract. Okay. They they cut a player two years before they this contract ends. They've got to still account for that bonus money in those two seasons. That's okay. what dead cap money is. Um, one more player to ask you about mm-hmm. on on the ongoing carousel. Uh, we still don't know where Jimmy G is going to end up. What's going to happen there? I don't know. I I don't know where Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo are going to end up. I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy Garoppolo stays in San Francisco. Let me pull him up here. He's yeah, still in contract. San Francisco, though, and knowing that Jimmy didn't play that great, you yeah. won in spite of Jimmy. What good does it do you to keep Jimmy G as opposed well, to playing trade It's going to – I'm looking at the salary cap deal now on him. In his case, he's owed $1.4 million in bonus. That's going to be accounted for on the salary cap. He's got a $24 million base salary. Um, however, it's not guaranteed. So if he's cut by the 49ers before June the 1st, the 49ers would incur a $1.4 million dead cap hit, but they would save $25 million in salary cap. Mm-hmm. If it's done the same number, if it's after June the 1st, same number for trade. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. There's a chance with Garoppolo, it could be something that he's not traded until maybe after minicamp or after the start of, of uh, a preseason to see who gets hurt. Who gets hurt needs a quarterback. Because the, 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 the quarterback carousel has gone around and there just aren't that many jobs left open. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I honestly can't think of a couple jobs that are left. Houston still needs a quarterback. I don't think Davis Mills is going to be their long-term solution. They say they're going to go with Mills next year. Yeah. Which makes sense because they're basically tanking. I mean, they have nothing on that entire roster. Carolina needs a quarterback. I think Seattle needs a quarterback. Yeah, I, Seattle does need a quarterback. Um, Pittsburgh, I think they'll draft a quarterback. I'm almost sure Pittsburgh drafts one of the three quarterbacks. Um, I don't think that they're going to sign another guy, but I do think they'll draft. Well, didn't they? Uh, they signed they, Trubisky. I mean, they signed. Tra- okay, I think Trubisky. Okay, so I can see the Steelers drafting Malik Jackson. Malik Wills. Malik Wills. I'm sorry. Uh, Malik Wilkes. I I lean more towards Kenny Pickett for them. Kenny Pickett's not getting past New Orleans. That's a marriage made in heaven right there. Guaranteed. If he's there at 15, the Saints are taking. Yeah. He's not not getting past him. Someone's going to trade in front of him. Um, Malik Willis, uh, I saw saw somebody today trying to compare him to Lamar Jackson. 
those are not that's not an app no that's not an app comparison i i think the fact that that he played against uh lower level division one uh competition is really going to hurt him i don't i have watched a few things about him already i haven't been really overly impressed with him uh there's some red flags there for me um but i do like kenny pickett i think kenny pickett's probably the best quarterback in the draft um, yeah. I think Matt Carell can be a, a quarterback in the NFL if he goes to the right place and sits in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Garoppolo would be a really good uh, fit for Seattle. Yeah. Another one of those interdivision things, though. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that's going to be that big a hang up. So I think that'll be a cut kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I don't think Baker's is apt to be cut because of the salary cap implications of it. Right. Yeah. He's Coach Bo. You can find him, uh, the Coach Bo Knows podcast, out each and every Monday and Friday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, OHGCast.com is the website. Check out O'Connor Advisor Group there. Bo, before we go, what's coming up on the uh, the show the uh, next couple of days? Hey, we hit, we, uh, we've already recorded, before, before you and I recorded, we just recorded with Ellen. And so we, we hit the Tyreek Hill trade hard. We went from all angles on it. Um, I think that both teams did well on this. Um, the Dolphins have done a lot of work on that. So I think it's going to be incredible. Um, so I, we worked, we talked a lot about the Tyreek Hill deal. We got into a lot of the stuff that's happened in the last seven days in the NFL, everything from the Deshaun Watson trade to Matt Ryan, uh, the two big, the two big tackles who have been signed at Slittered, uh, Lyle Collins and Taryn Armstead and how those make some changes to teams. Um, you know, a lot of the, we got into a lot of the free agency stuff this week. We touched on baseball free agency uh, and get ready to go through that. And then uh, a lot of it's the try your kill trade. That's been a big, big subject all day. I've been hearing a lot of people have been texting me and calling me. What do you think about Tyree kill trade? Again, I'm not as negative and Nancy about it as some are, but I understand. I can understand as a fan going, man, you're dude. I do. I understand that. So we're going to talk all about that on the Coach Bono's podcast on Friday. Yeah. It's uh, it's not like the uh, the Red Sox with Mookie Betts. That was a sad day. I don't know why you bring that. I wear my Red Sox hat right now. And I, <laughs> and I pull over. You bring up a bad day. That's a bad day. The best right. player of the generation leaves. Um, but, yeah, it, I do understand that the Chiefs fans who are – if you're a Chiefs fan, you listen to this and you're sad about it, it's okay. Look, he's a he's a, an incredible player, and you don't want to lose a player like that. But in the end, the Chiefs made a good decision. And it would have been a good decision 10 days ago had they got the extension done 10 days ago. Mm-hmm. Timing's everything. It is. East Coach Bowl. Check them out. O'Connor Advisor Group, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, Coach Bodo's podcast as well. Paul, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Thanks, Tyler. Take care, bud. A couple more things before we wrap up today's show. Let's go ahead and uh, break down the NBA. Time for our uh, NBA breakdown here on the Jones Report. And where I want to start out with is the Brooklyn Nets, currently sitting at 38 and 35 after falling to the Memphis Grizzlies on Wednesday night. And according to reports, they have received some much needed news as the mask mandates or the uh, vaccine mandate rather 
for businesses, private sector businesses in New York City is expected to be lifted here in uh, the coming days. And so that means that Kyrie Irving will be allowed to play at home games. And the playoffs are nearing, about to start here pretty soon. Um, and so you'll have Kyrie Irving at full strength. Um, you know, Ben Simmons, we're still waiting on at this point, but I think he should be playing sooner rather than later. Um, they're at the eighth seed right now. They would be playing in one of those play-in games, but if the you get through that, then you would be playing uh, the number one seed, which right now is the Miami Heat. But nonetheless, the Nets have their work cut out for them, but they got the news they wanted. And I'll say this, you know, you look at this Nets team and what they've gone through has, you know, paid quite a price, right? Their record without Kyrie being on the road has uh, has certainly suffered. Listen, listen to this, folks. The Nets, uh, you know, this season, their home record is significantly worse than their road record. They're 16 and 19 at home. And they are at home, uh, on the road, 22 and 16. That's a huge difference between when they have Kyrie and when they don't have Kyrie. Now they get him back. We saw kind of just how, how stupid it was of him not being available when he was able to sit in the stands for a game, but he couldn't play that game. And I think that kind of caught everybody's attention there, but we will see Kyrie going forward. Look, Tom, I don't know, you know, what this team is going to do if they're going to be able to, you know, win the Eastern conference by any stretch, because, you know, they're going to have their work cut out for them, but nonetheless, things just got a lot easier. What do you say? Do you think the Nets, can uh, go on a run here now? I don't know if they can or not. Um, you know, they they just lose to the Grizzlies without John Morant. Granted, the Grizzlies are pretty good this year. I, I don't know. What Wasn't uh, the Grizzlies without John Morant when they gave the Thunder the biggest loss in NBA history? I believe so. Literally the Grizzlies. I was watching this game last night, Grizzlies-Nets, and they had mentioned – um, that the Grizzlies without John Morant are 14 and two, which I thought is incredible. Um, because you know, John Morant is the engine that you would assume powers that team. Um, I couldn't even tell you the head coach's name to be honest, it's something different. He's a newer coach. Um, I, but from what they had to say on the game cast, I guess they just said they play really well together. You got Kyle Anderson. Former Spur, you got Steven Adams, former Thunder player. Uh, I mean, you have a you have key pieces on that team. Jaron Jackson Jr., I think is a great player. I'd love to have him on the Spurs. But, you know, you're, you're facing a team, though, like the Nets. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Kyrie got to play in that game prior, that last away game he played was against the Orlando Magic. Granted, it's the Orlando Magic, but he dropped 60, you know. And so it's obvious that, that the Nets will need Kyrie Irving moving forward. Will they get Ben Simmons? Um, from what I understand, that he's still undergoing, like, conditioning um, to get back in it, which I, I, I would imagine. Um, you know, I never thought Ben Simmons was superhuman. Um, so as much time as he missed, he 
probably needs, you know, needs a lot of time to get back at it. But I don't, Jones, if I'm going to be honest, if I'm a betting man, I'm not, I'm not betting on the Nets to do anything in the playoffs. You know, they missed, they missed up, KD missed a whole lot of time. Um, you know, the James Harden thing went down. And I don't I'm not, think Steve Nash is that great of a coach either. I think that's something to factor in as well. Give like put Rick Carlisle on this team as the head coach. And I really like the Nets. Yeah. But it's another super team experiment that has failed. Uh, well, I guess not yet, but I'm not buying them, if that's what you're asking. not buying them. Okay, that's fair. I think, though, at the end of the day, for Kyrie, of this whole vaccine debate, he wins at the end of the day. I mean. Take the vaccine. He's man's played 20 games and is averaging, like, I don't know, something stupid, like 20-plus. And what the Nets did to go ahead and bring him back and let him play the road games and – all of this yeah. and proving Drum. the hypocrisy. Kyrie won. I'm happy for Kyrie how this all ended up playing out uh, for his sake. His team may have suffered from it, but he uh, he won. Uh, you know, James Harden gets traded and such. I mean, there was uh, a lot that went down. It's been a year that feels like 10 years for the Nets, but Kyrie, at the end of the day, comes out on top in all this, I think, personally. Um, in the Western Conference, the uh, Lakers, 31 and 41. Uh, such a hot mess the Lakers continue to be, and it's so laughable. It is uh, highly entertaining. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis dealing with some injuries, LeBron dealing with uh, some knee soreness and such here. And uh, here they are, 10 games under 500 in the ninth spot. And, I mean, Frank Vogel and Russell Westbrook are taking a lot of the blame for this. But, you know, there, there's so many issues beyond just those two. I mean, this team can't even stay healthy. I mean, where, where, where do you even start? When you look at all these issues, Tom, what's the biggest you think for the Lakers right now? Do you want me to be honest? Okay. It's, this is an easy one. I'm going to say – I, and I'm, I don't like I don't like it's not that I don't like LeBron as a player or as a as a person. I don't care for him much as a player. I'm not going to say LeBron because honestly, his his last two weeks has been as it's really it's actually been historic um, in terms of scoring and and playmaking ability. I saw someone say on LeBron, he's not going to be known as like the second goat or he's. We're not years down the road. We're not even going to be talking about. I think we will. I think this is an overstatement when he said it about Jordan versus LeBron. He said, "I think we're going to be able to talk about the longevity of LeBron James." And I, I full heartedly agree with him. I think he's been the best for the longest. Um, it's, it's to me. I thought about that. And I said, "Well, that's pretty hard to argue." Um, maybe gets a lot of flack from this from the Oklahoma people, uh, but honestly, I think it's Russell Westbrook. Yeah, um, I mean, Russ has had his issues, uh, but I don't think Frank Vogel's doing him any favors. I don't think that he's – No, I mean, Frank Vogel's on my list too in terms of of who's failing the Lakers. Personally, I love to see it. Oh, I do too. Absolutely. But um, the fact that they're not giving him more minutes with the second unit to try to do his thing and, you know, adjusting the offense and such, I mean, it's twofold. Russell's not playing well, but – I don't think Frank Vogel was doing this team any favors. And 
you know, both these guys are going to be gone next year. I mean, you, you can already see the writing on the wall there, how that's going with uh, this uh, Lakers team at this point in time. The Warriors not playing great uh, within the uh, last couple of weeks or so. You know, things were going so well, so hot. And then uh, it, it's got so bad that, that Draymond Green even called out his own team the other night saying that they've been playing like garbage. With all that said, Tom, they're still in third place. They're just 10 games back of the Suns. They're in. They're a three seed, which is just fine. Um, Curry hurt. Curry's hurt, yes. But hurt they're the expected board. to get him back, you know, for the playoffs and such here. Is there reason to panic for Golden State right now, or do you think this has been a bit overblown? I wouldn't panic. Um, you know, you still have Steve Kerr, who's – all you know, really good all all over. You know, I mean, in terms of good head coaches, he's he's right up there in my in my eyes with Pop and Eric Spolstra. Um, you know, I think I'd take I'd take Steve Kerr any day over Doc Rivers. So, um, I think they'll, they're fine. Like I said, they they did lose Curry. Um, you know, they they did get beat on a crazy Spurs offensive rebound on the free throw. Keldon Johnson put up for the win. I was pleased to see that just because as a Spurs fan, but I wouldn't panic if I was them. They got, you know, they got a, they'll figure it out. I mean, it's still a cohesive group. You still got that, that, you know, team somewhat intact. Um, and, and, you know, Clay Thompson, I feel like gets a little bit better every game that he's back. I agree. Uh, I'm with you there, uh, Tom. Uh, last one for you on uh, the NBA front. Zion, we have not seen him play this year. Um, he posted a video on Instagram uh, rehabbing, uh, you know, some doing some dunking and such, and uh, questions about, you know, if we're going to see Zion this year and, you know, if he wants to be there or not in New Orleans. Uh, you know, Tom, uh, here they are at that 10 spot. They would make a play-in game right now. Uh, is it even worth it at this point to try to bring Zion back this year? From what I understood, they shut him down for the year. And I think a lot of fans are like, well, did they shut him down for the year? Because, you know, screw it, we're not going to do anything in the play-in. Or did they shut him down? Or did he shut himself down? Kind of like of a Kawhi Leonard situation. You know, who whose camp was that? Um, I'd be very interested to know, especially because, you know, even if you you rehab like that, Sure. I, I mean, from my perspective, that looked pretty looked pretty crazy. Um, I mean, it looked like maybe he's not game condition ready, but it's like, well, you're do you are playing for a play-in. They have made the the peace changes with CJ McCollum over this season. They have Brandon Ingram, who arguably could have been a, an all-star. Uh, do you make a run? I think that would mean a lot for New Orleans, but sure you could get a higher pick. I don't know. I don't know. And, and just kind of with the rumor that he wanted out of new Orleans. Um, if I'm his camp, just to stop the rumors, I don't even have him post that video. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me though. You made a good point, Tom. You uh, certainly do. There you have it. That's our look around the uh, NBA here on uh, the Jones sport this week. Final segment before we go, our Tom Fullery story of the week. Tom, where we're going to this time? There's a lot of crazies for how small a town this place is. Right, and we're going to uh, we're going to your favorite 
uh, Kansas town, uh, not named Lawrence. We're going to Topeka. Oh, gosh. All right. And this comes from a Dairy Queen. Jones, I got a quick story for you about a Dairy Queen. Uh, growing up, there was no Dairy Queens within however many miles of us. I don't even know where they were at in Tulsa. And I can tell you it was quicker to find the Dairy Queen in Independence, Kansas, than it was um, to even remotely think about driving anywhere south towards Tulsa to find a Dairy Queen. I, don't, I really don't think there was at the time. Um, but we used to go to this Dairy Queen in Independence, Kansas, and it was kind of like, uh, I don't know if you have any like childhood traditions or anything, but Dairy Queen was one of mine where we would just take like a Sunday drive and go up and get a, like a blizzard from Dairy Queen. Um, you know, never, in, in this case, never got charged for anything else other than the ice cream. Like I said, this comes out of uh, KSNT.com. This is customer spots only fans charges after visiting Topeka Dairy Queen. A uh, little sub caption says Devin Boakman's mugshot with an exterior photo of the Topeka Dairy Queen on Southwest 29th Street. Tell where this is going. Topeka. Topeka police have arrested a Dairy Queen employee after a customer later noticed charges to her debit card from OnlyFans. I think everybody kind of knows what OnlyFans is now. Um, it's not for... You wouldn't find our podcast on OnlyFans, but... It's not safe for work. You probably shouldn't be looking at it at Dairy Queen. Right. The Topeka Police Department told KSNT News it took Devin S. Brockman, 18, into custody on March 16th. He faces charges including theft, criminal use of a financial card, computer unlawful acts, false representation with damage. A customer who visited the Topeka Dairy Queen in February filed the police report that ultimately led to investigators looking into what was going on at the fast food chain Dairy Queen. She took her kids to the restaurant located at 3320 Southwest 29th Street for lunch. When she paid, the victim said she noticed the drive through cashier took a long time to bring her debit card back. The victim told KSNT News shortly past midnight. She got notifications on her phone for $5.99, $10.99, and $35.99. Um, charged, those charged to her bank, all reading that they were from OnlyFans. Later, she learned someone tried to buy content on OnlyFans three more times with their debit card, but they were all declined. This goes on. This is funny. I love this part um, because if you're not up with pop culture or not up with news, then this this part would be for you. OnlyFans, a site where fans can pay content creators for subscriptions for photos and videos, rose to notoriety during the pandemic as a platform for users to buy and sell sexual content. <laughs> while, the, right? while the company tried to ban porn from its platform right, and put focus on other content categories in 2021, it later reversed that decision. Uh, I remember that controversy, not because I participated in anything OnlyFans, but because how much of an outrage it was on Twitter. Uh, the victim told KSNT News she emailed OnlyFans. That's great. That's beautiful. Uh, and called its online payment portal about the charges, who told her that Brokeman had been using her card through his, OnlyFan his OnlyFans account with a slightly altered name. The next day, she called the Dairy Queen she visited to confirm an employee's name there matched the name on the OnlyFans account. And then she called the police. OnlyFans refunded the victim and told her it has since shut down the Dairy Queen worker's account 
when KSNT News called the phone number associated with the Dairy Queen on Southwest 29th. It was all set up now to reject all calls. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they just said, nope, we're not, we're not doing this. TPD also, TPD, I always think Tulsa Police, but Topeka Police Department also said there's a possibility that Brokeman was not the only employee involved in the card info theft. Detectives are still following up leads to make sure there were no other victims and or participants. Jones, I think this is this is Tom Fuller for one. If you're going to buy the OnlyFans, it's probably somebody you know. And by chance, somebody else with maybe a little bit more money than your Derek Queen working ass probably could have that OnlyFans. And you could be like, hey, man, listen, like, I'm not, I always think about this too. What would I, what would I risk going to jail for? I don't know. There's not a whole lot, to be honest. This ain't it. This ain't it. You know, like, no. Listen, I get the, I get the allure of OnlyFans, right? Because usually, I would say the large majority of people who purchase subscriptions from OnlyFans for people who post sexual content are from people who know that person. That's the allure of it. Maybe I'm wrong. I think that's the allure of it. Because sure, if you didn't know somebody, listen, I don't like to be this person to say this on the show. I've said a lot of racy shit before. I've said a lot of off-the-wall things. But porn is free, my man. You can go find that on any free website. If that's what you need to get down with, listen, you can find that just about anywhere. You don't need to be buying your porn from using somebody else's card. Like, this day and age, that type of theft is so easy to track. Like, I... I did some stupid stuff at 18, but I would have never done this. It's well, like man, on, right? On top of that, too, Tom, of all the things you just mentioned, and I agree with you 100%, but, I mean, if if you're that desperate, I understand you're working at Dairy Queen, and you probably don't make that much money, but, like, if you're desperate enough to buy, you know, pay money on that crap, like... It doesn't cost you that much, does it? I don't know. I feel like some people's are like that much. Like, what would they say? Let me go back and look at the charges here. Um, you know, when I read the headline, I thought maybe that they had subscribed that lady to just a random account. So, so Tom, out. what you're trying to tell me is that it is true at Dairy Queen that the milkshakes bring the boys to the yard. It used to bring my family in. Uh, we <laughs> the worst. Oh, that happened. that just go right over your head. No, I eat milkshake brings all the boys to the okay, yard. Okay, okay, good, good. Okay. Yeah, listen, that's I. I haven't played that song in a while, DJ. And maybe that's time to bring it back out. This, week. <laughs> but they said charge five ninety nine, ten ninety nine, and thirty five ninety nine. I listen. Yeah, I feel Jones like this is funny too. We bring up another OnlyFans. There was another one. Didn't like a teacher quit her job to make an OnlyFans and she just raked in the dough? Or maybe she was like a teacher at the time that also had an OnlyFans. They got fired for it. Yeah, I bet it's like her former students or all her subscribers probably. Right. And see, see that's the allure. But maybe, you know, you, you think you, you find some girl who knows she can get 
$35.99 a month out of somebody, you know, get your money. I'm not paying $36 a month. Listen, Netflix is already high enough, and they're talking about not having the password share on. Um, you know, YouTube TV is expensive, and that's I, I love YouTube TV. I'm not paying the OnlyFans thing. Like, no. And I'm not using somebody else's car to do it. Now, if I'm, if I'll I'm say this do- much, you know, as somebody that has frequent Topeka, um, you know, what, what they had to offer in the OnlyFans might be, be a better option than the strip clubs in uh, Topeka. I'll say that much. That, I mean, yeah, that is true. I, I, I don't even, I, I might, for research purposes, look research up the, purposes. right? Yeah. The strip club names in Topeka, because I'm sure they're just redneck. They've got to be. That's like, like I said, it's, it's how I'm like, there's a lot of crimes you can do in terms of like financial fraud. I feel like, you know, you can steal a debit card and I don't know, at least do some monorail. Listen, if you don't have enough food for your family and maybe that's why you're doing it. Sure. If you're doing it because you're late on a bill. Sure. I mean, I'm not justifying it, but to just literally risk your, I don't know, your, your criminal record for OnlyFans. I mean, he better tell these girls, listen, I risk my criminal record to buy your OnlyFans. That's how good looking you are. You know, maybe he'll get a hot date out of it, but probably not. Um, it's, I mean, I'm sure he'd go back in time and, and maybe reassess this situation. Jones, here you go. There's one in Topeka called Baby Dolls. There's another one. Maybe we should do a live remote at one day. Topeka Sports Cabaret. Okay. A little bit like All Stars. <laughs> uh, that's no spirit rhino, uh, for sure. Right. Yeah, that's it's uh you know, I, it's one of those things where it's like, man, he's going to be 18 years from now. Man's going to be, it'll be, what, 36. And he's going to, he's, they're going to ask him and they'll be like, if you go back and tell your 18 year old self something, he's going to be like, stay away from the OnlyFans. Right. Stay to my true love, the Dairy Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's trying to get the 35.99, the, the, the girl who's only fancy by that's probably what her account name is. <laughs> the Dairy Queen. There's a lot, a lot of then, he messaged her and said, Can I be your Burger King? Can I have it my way? <laughs> he turned me upside down and I won't fall out. I'll be your <laughs> oh on that note, we will run. Big thanks to TJ Reeves and Coach Bo for joining us. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Check out the Studio Soapbox Network. This show, as well as Let's Go Racing with David Starr, Raw Tools with Luke Slayball, the Coach Bo Knows Podcast, and the Bevo Boys. Uh, check out all those shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at Thomas underscore Bridges at Studio underscore Soapbox, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Facebook.com forward slash Studio Soapbox, and on Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Instant Thomas, and Jones underscore Report. You can find us there. Got to go. We will see you next week. Rock Chalk.
hopefully uh, we'll be in the Final Four next weekend. Uh, <laughs> Got to have some uh, happier days ahead. Blocking out Tyreek Hill, just thinking about four wins away from a national championship. That's all that's on my mind right now. Thanks for joining us for Thomas Bridges, Brian O'Connor, TJ Reeves, our entire crew. I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Jones Report. We'll see you next week.